following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eat Sleep Lists. I'm one of your hosts of the show, Dan Torres. With me is my co-host, Mr. Matt Johnson. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I am wonderful, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm still on a nostalgia trip from last time with our childhood items list. I loved that. Man. It, it made me realize a lot of things that we could do, a lot more things that we could do with this show. Yeah. Um. You know, it's fun to talk about current stuff and 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 this and that. But man, just every now and then you need like that nostalgia-based episode where you just kind of re, you know, you, you revisit. Like, I mean, you like we talked about like Thomas the Tank Engine yep. and stuff, and you unlocked a ton of memories like that I forgot that I even had. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really neat. Um, Deep down, like a in a spiritual hippie kind of way, I I really needed it. <laughs> yeah, so. I sometimes you need those, and you need to like get refreshed on what's actually important in your life and the things that like shaped you for who you are. Without all the BS, right? Correct. Like without all the adult attachments to like everything that we have now, yeah. there, we feel like there's so much responsibility built in. And sometimes a list like that is really like good because it just grounds you. It was good timing. And, yeah, and I mean, you and I pulled it out of our. You know, we we had a. Sort of a light plan, but like the day before, let's just do it. So, yeah, that, it, it was out. it was perfect. And shout out, uh, it, speaking of that, shout out my cousin Tyler. When I when he heard Bullseye Ball, he was like, that pulled something out of the deep recesses of my memories. Like I used to have one of those. I couldn't believe that you said that. He messaged me at, like he gave me he sent me an audio message. I was like, this is cool. It's always nice when you know you hear that people actually like listen and they they talk to you about something specific that happened on your episode absolutely and tyler messaged me he goes yeah i remember this remember that my favorite wrestler toy was this i was like this is cool it's great this is cool speaking of people who frequently listen and guest on the show great um, transition yeah, matt do you want to bring uh in our guest for today i would absolutely love to so i've known this Gentleman for a quite a long time, uh, eight nine plus years or so. Yeah, it's probably, probably like a little bit, eight or nine. yeah, close to that. Um, he's actually a former guest on this show, and last year he uh, last season we did a extinct species list where it was very educational, a lot to learn from. I've gotten a lot of compliments on it. Even recently, people listened to it within the last mm, month or so. So yeah, uh, not bad, right? Yeah. Uh, everybody, please welcome back to the show, my good friend. Heist. Hey. hey, buddy. How are you? I'm all right. I'm making my, uh, since, you know, going on the theme of this this list, my reboot appearance, my retcon, <laughs> I don't know, retcon appearance. Because <laughs> this new season, it's a reboot. I'm back from the dead and got a new costume. Just, uh, <laughs> I love it. it I think it, it, that's a perfect way to, yeah. I mean, hey, shoot, this season almost didn't happen just so, you know, so that yeah. we're, we're rebooting together. So I'm, I'm glad to. I'm glad to. I know you and I talked about uh, you coming back on. We had a couple different ideas exchanged. I think you mentioned... Uh, what were some of the ideas you mentioned? The mutants, and I was like, let's yeah. let's uh, mutants. A couple other ones, and I was like, 
okay, Dan's really on a big comic book kick mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Let's do covers because covers is something that I think is really, really important in the grand scheme of uh, of, of comic books. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's the first thing you see. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's what sells you on the comic book. I mean, even if... Even if you're a guy that goes in with a pull list, like you still, it's still the first thing you see, you know. Yeah. If, even if you know who's writing it or who's the artist, you know. Mm-hmm. It's still, or the brand. Yeah. I, I'm. I think that's an important thing, and and I've talked about it on my comic book show, the panel discussion. But but you're right. The comic cover is is so important for the sale, right? If I see a comic cover and it looks like blah. I'm less likely to pick that book up, no matter if I love the character or not. Exactly. Um, if it's really, really cool, I, I extra have to have it, and I might even frame it. You know, I might even look for a poster of it uh, to put. You know, to put it to, to to use somehow. But it's. I can't tell you how many times. You know, it, yeah, it, they suck you right in. Yeah, I bought in really good comic covers, and the stories were crap. And I <laughs> oh, just, yeah. all the time. How many yeah. times does that happen? Where the cover looks cool, and then you're like. Wait, nothing remotely based on that happened in this issue. <laughs> it's uh, a lot of letdowns. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of letdowns. It, it, if like none of these are on my list, but like the Silver Age, like DC covers of like Fat Superman or like <laughs> uh, I'm uh, like I'm leaving you out in the desert to die, Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, like, these very like attention grabbing covers, and it's like <laughs> I, I okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a real thing. It is a real thing. So, yeah. But this is I'm so excited to do this list. Like you said, I've now and always been so uh, into comic books, especially as of late. Um, so, Tice, what kind of before we like get into this list? Mm. It, it specifically, I, I imagine you're a big superhero guy. So, what are your go to titles if you're looking for certain stuff? Uh, I mean, right now. I haven't been reading a whole lot, but like mm-hmm. I, in terms of my like superheroes, I like uh, Moon Knight, uh, Daredevil, Swamp Thing. I don't know if you call Swamp Thing. Yeah, yeah Swamp yeah. Thing. Um, I mean, the I've read some of the new X Men books. They're really good. Like X Men Red is really good. Yeah, it's right phenomenal now. right now. Um, I'm a big like, even though he's not a superhero, I'm a big Hellboy guy. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Hellboy's awesome. Yeah. I think those titles are the best, like Hellboy, Spawn, some of those ones that you don't hear thrown around more often, yeah. but the stories stay consistent and stay good throughout. Yeah, like, I'm, I like the other, like, the non-superhero stuff, too, like, if there's, like, horror anthology comics or, like, there's a book called Beasts of Burden about, mm-hmm. like, pets in a small town solving, like, paranormal mysteries, but there, it's very, like, it gets a lot, like more horror than you think it would be and it's yeah. kind of distressing sometimes just because they're like dogs and cats yeah, yeah. exactly um, i i love titles like that too my wife is actually reading a series called something is killing the children right now it's super feel, super popular I've heard of that. it's she can't put it down she read the first two volumes i got the first two volumes for her. she put the first one down and grabbed the second one like i need to keep yeah. reading and then after she finished that one she did the thing you do sometimes where you forgot you finished and she went to pick it up and read it again she was like oh crap i <laughs> yeah. like i was done with that so i got her volume 3 and 4 and she finished 3 in like 45 minutes right she couldn't yeah. put the put it down and everybody is saying the same thing about it too those are the best titles to go after i just remembered one it's called um ultra mega it's put out by image it's about like uh if 
it's basically like an Ultraman parody, but it's cosmic horror esque. It's very, it's very good. Yeah, it's re, it's very recent. So could, I, he's actually like when the early days of panel discussion, he's recommended a few books that were like outside of my wheelhouse, and like Ty, some of Tyson's suggestions helped break me out of this. I have to have Marvel. I have to have DC. Oof. Like there's other stuff out there, and and there was yeah, there was just a lot of uh, it, it helped open up my comic book knowledge. I love that. So because I mean. It's it's easy, right? They're the most mainstream ones, Marvel it, and DC, yeah. and then you don't realize, you know, Image, Dark Horse, uh, you know, and there's so many other yeah. weird brands. I was just, like I was just, Oney, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was just referencing. Aftershock, yeah. um, he said, she said, comic book publisher. It was like back in the '90s, um, and I I had an I found an OJ Simpson story comic yeah. book and it had trading yeah. cards and stuff, and I was like, this is cool. I would have never picked that up. I would have yeah. never in my life picked that up unless right. I had a comic book show that had uh, that helped me, you know, expand. And, and yeah, obviously, Tice was a big part of that. So I love it. Well, I may have, need to have you on YAO at some point, honestly, because yes. we talk so much comic books on that show, yeah. and it'd be nice to have those perspectives <laughs> on it too. Yeah, it's. I mean, comic books are a lot of money, so I've been trying to like. <laughs> I've been tough. trying to like. Don't I know it? Wait for a trade to come out, or just. I'm trying to do digital because it's like this is much more manageable. I yeah. have I have a site. All right, I, I mean, I, obviously, physical copies over everything, but yeah. I have a site. You have to sift through some porn, but <laughs> it's worth it. There's, it's like an endless disposal <laughs> of comic books, so it's not bad. It's not too shabby. Oh my god, I love it. Um, so, all right, so. Why don't we get into this then? Because I'm now I'm more excited to talk about this. I just I, I, just, like... I just swapped out another one. In, in the time that it took me to oh start reading this book, bless or oh, Sorry. not bless you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, are you okay? No, I'm good. You want water? No, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> I do have water. Um, I, I swapped out another like book. So it's of just, course you did. I, I I could easily do a top thirty of this. No problem. Yeah, I know. I have so many. But... <laughs> I love so many for different reasons, but. Um, yeah, let's get right into this before we make any more swaps Absolutely. with our list. Um, so the top 10 comic book covers out there. Tice, you want to start lead us off with your number 10? Yeah, mine. Is, my number 10 is Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number 76. It's from, I believe, 1970. Uh, it's a Neil Adams cover, the Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill run of Green Lantern, Green Oh, Arrow. yeah. It's... um. Green Arrow is like charging his ba- his uh, ring with his battery. He's starting his oath, and um, in the background, Green Arrow is like firing an arrow, and it's shattering the power battery. Mm. Um, it's it's basically it's because the story is very like you know um, this this whole run is basically Green Lantern's a conservative button down guy, and uh, Green Arrow is you know more of like a left of center. And like so, it's it's based on that conflict of he helps like this this fat cat while other people are trying to like they're they're doing like a rent strike I think or something right. I can't remember so it's like Green Arrow's like see how the other left half lives chum like he like I don't know why they use the word chum so often back then but it's, <laughs> it's a fun word Bat, uh, Batman's very wham bam like that yeah. sometimes too there's actually a lot of good covers from this run it's got like the speed my my wards a junkie yes i love that yeah. one I, yeah. I didn't want yeah that one's in green arrows all bug-eyed and stuff it's a it's a famous yeah, one but. I, I think this one i chose this one because it's such like a striking image and it's 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 the colors too of the greens and the like the greens and the shadows and the like it's you see the light emanating from the 
power battery and you can like it's casting shadows on the power battery as it's shattering. It's very very well done. Yeah. It's I, gorgeous. Looking and, at it, you know what I mean? If if you're just a casual walking by and you see that, it's like it, and you know Green Lantern's you know, abilities yeah. and stuff, you see they're like, Oh, I'm hooked and, and both these characters are obviously heroes, so there's a little bit of intrigue there. I think they're put together because they weren't doing so well separately. Okay. And like um this was like later in the seventies, well, so it's like later in the Silver Age. Um so these were like at the beginning of the Silver Age, they were like kind of rebooted into like what we think of them as they are now. Right. And yeah. then stuff started to like decline a little bit and they're like We'll just put these two together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they tended to do that with a lot of superheroes, yeah. I feel like, during that time. But that's a, that's a gorgeous... I particularly love... Green's my favorite color, so any okay. good tones of green like that are always yeah, like yeah. really eye-catching to me. That's just... <laughs> man, some of these ones I just wish I had in person, and this is absolutely one of them that I wish I had right in front yeah, of me. Yeah, and, like, Neil Adams, he died not too long ago, yes. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he would always be at, if you went to a convention, he'd probably be there, and you could buy this print. So it's, yeah, it's, it's he left an impact. I feel like I've seen it before at Dave and Adams. Yes. Probably, yeah. Probably. They, have, they had a pretty good comic collection for a long time. Um. All the green, you know, a lot of the the, the co-op ones. I do remember seeing that the the junky one. It was really really expensive yeah. for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, yeah. A lot of these are, are are ones that are hard to find. That's that's the fun in this too. Yeah. No, I love it, Tice. That's a great pick for your number ten, man. Uh, Matt, do you want to lead us off with your number ten? I do. All right, I'm sending it to the group chat now. So I read this book long long time ago. Um, when we first started the show, we were doing a uh, DC was doing a crossover with Hanna Barbera oh, yeah. comics, yeah. and I loved this book. <laughs> the story's great, but the cover was really cool. I've always been like, if I had to have one, like a number one DC character, it'd probably be like Nightwing or Robin. Yeah, um, yeah. and I don't follow them. You know, I, I don't follow them die hard as I do some other ones. But um, but you know, I I grew up watching uh, Boomerang. Right, yeah, yeah, Cartoon yeah, yeah. Was Boomerang. I, my dad always McGilla Gorilla was always on there. Oh, it's the best, always. And you know, I, I always looked at all those cartoons. Right, my dad. I grew up in that era, and my dad. We were watching. I remember watching Looney Tunes. I remember watching Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. I remember watching um, uh, Johnny Quest. All, uh, all the Scooby Doo knockoffs like Jabberjaw and <laughs> Jabberjaw, Jabberjaw, and, uh, uh, Wacky it? Racers. There was Speed Buggy, Speed Buggy, <laughs> Droopy, Droopy. I remember, oh, I remember Droopy, and and like I mean, so many classics, and and to see them like brought forth in a in a modern take, right, in a comic book, it was just it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun, and the book is just cool. It's I mean, you don't think of McGilla Gorilla and, and Nightwing doing a crossover is <laughs> worth it, but the cover is appealing, right? They're navigating. It looks like somebody somebody's shoe they're looking at. They're looking at clues. There's it's it's got a nice. I like the coloring on it too. Yeah, yeah. It's very vintage, but it's it's fantastic book. Uh, spoiler alert: Grape Ape is the main villain in this book. <laughs> I swear to God, it's, I love it. Yeah. 
I highly encourage you guys to go check it out if if you've never read it before. The purples pop really well in this too. It yeah, does. From that same run, I remember the there's like an Elmer Fudd Batman cover. Yes. Yeah. Get out. Seriously? Yeah, there yeah, was yeah. a ran- it was so random it was some like of these crossovers. Twenty seventeen. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. I know this one was probably from late twenty eighteen when we started oh, okay. the show. I know this Nightwing McGilla Gorilla one. But um, yeah, if you Google search uh, DC DC Hanna Barbera crossovers, there's a there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. There's some really really good books in there. Really fun one offs. So, <sighs> dude, screw the multiverse that we've got yeah. going right now. Where's my Batman Elmer Fudd movie? <laughs> it, it, Especially with Pattinson's what he's doing right now. I know it's Space Jam too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, gross. <laughs> Everything that they own, they're like, we're just gonna put it on screen. <laughs> Like Alex from Clockwork Orange is there, and it's like that that guy's they a, a murderer and a, a rapist. Like, yeah, this is, Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty in a children's movie. Like, oh my on. god, what are you doing? <laughs> What are you doing? I would absolutely love. I don't know. Something about me just wants all that chaos. But you know, I live for that danger sometimes. <laughs> oh man! Um, so once again, for like all the lists I do, I cheated for my number ten because I t- couldn't choose between two because they're virtually the same, but um, for different reasons. So my, for my number ten, I have Robin Rises Alpha and Omega Number One, um, both covers by Andy Kubert uh, and Brad Anderson. So if you look, I have the physical copies here. I'll pass them to you. Sure. They're both almost the same, right? But one has a towering version of Damian Wayne's yeah. um, version of Robin over Batman. And then the Omega, which is um, the finale to that series, has um, Batman overshadowing Damian within um, the coffin that he's in. Yeah, this oh. is post-death. This is of, post-death. Yeah. So this is when he's reviving him. So when I, um, when I got into comic book collecting again about 10 years ago... Um, the new 52 had just begun with yeah. the Batman and Robin yeah. and Batman is my go-to for everything. In fact, that's a, the majority of my list is going to be a lot of Batman. I like this one a lot. Right. That's, I love that's that. That's dark. why I couldn't choose between the two. Cause I love, like you were saying, I love Robin as much as I love Batman. So the, the two were so hard to choose within this series for me because it's again, what I started collecting once I got right back into it because I love Batman titles and Batman and Robin is like, that's the pair, right? That's the duo that you want to get. That's the original duo I think a lot of kids yeah. grew up with and remember because of the cartoon, because of the TV show, um, you know, live action TV show back in the day. Yeah, it's it doesn't get much better than that. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of the uh, when I think it's Batman 666. Uh, it's the cover with uh, Damien as Batman. Yes. And it's like the fire and stuff, and it's like him in the trench coat. It's the Grant Morrison run. Oh, I love he, yeah, that it's, one. It's it's good. Like, Alfred's a... Is Alfred his computer, or is it the name of his cat? I can't remember. No, oh, I can't <laughs> yeah, remember. It, yeah. Within that run, but that... Grant Morrison is just such a genius when yeah. it comes to shit like that, and it, these visions, too, for this series were actually really, really good. Um, it, you know, because the new death of the family is within that story yeah. is in with uh, in that storyline. Um, you have the Requiem issues after Damien dies, where 
Um, each series is paying tribute to him in a certain way, which I thought was really cool. And then you have this whole storyline where Batman literally goes to steal him back from Talia, and then Darkseid takes him because <laughs> there's a shard of something from his planet within the uh, within the casket, and it just goes totally apeshit. It's such a great, great story. Damien has powers for a second towards the end of it. Um but I wanted to include something from within that one, and those two are by far my favorite covers. And I own almost every issue within that series, so it's it, it was a nice um, it's a nice balance between both Batman and Robin yeah. to tribute them yeah. both equally. I feel. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. That's uh, that's a really good choice. Yeah, I, I like the darker one better with the with the with the coffin. I, if mm-hmm. that came off. Now, I'm sorry. Was that an alternate cover, or those two different? Books. Those are two different. Like so two um, Alpha okay. is the beginning of him going to get uh, Damien back, and Omega's the end of it. So okay. the start and finish of my fault. Of I just remembered another comic book that I want to include on here. Of course you do. <laughs> I've been searching for it. I can't find it. I'm getting pissed off. <laughs> Great number ten, buddy. Great Thank number you, ten. Um, Tice, why don't you kick us off with your number nine, sir? Okay, my number nine is the cover of Watchmen number one. <sighs> Uh, from 1986, for some reason, it's not sending. <laughs> but Perfect. yeah, so it's the um, it's like a close up of the uh, comedian's button with the little blood stain on it, and you can see the blood running down the gutter, like in the background. It like with every Watchmen cover, uh, it's something that happens in the book, which mm-hmm. is you know that's neat. But this is like it's a very iconic image in the start of probably. <laughs> It's something everybody says is like one of the greatest comic books of all time. Um, probably it's it's a mix of both Alan Moore's writing and um, Dave Gibbons' art. But uh, mm. like, I, I don't know what else you can really say about it. It's like some yeah, of the. It, it's hard because some of them just speak for themselves yeah, too. Yeah, it's it's very evocative. It's like it's the I think it's the first thing you see in the book too. Is that is the image of his butt, his button, and blood, and like it zooms up from the gutter. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, that, that's nice too because you know, with what we were talking about before, with some comic books being deceptive, you know exactly what you're getting into when you yeah. go into that. It gives you exactly as advertised. Yeah, yeah. Like this is what you're walking into right now. So buckle up. <laughs> yeah, we've I've reviewed a lot of comics that just you don't. The, the cover is very misleading, so it's disappointing. But yeah. like, it, it, like none of these covers really give you a whole lot of. This is a story about what if superheroes existed in the real world, and what if they were like you know, not great people, right? Like, it, it's just it, it's it. I think it's just it's very evocative. It's very like you know what it is. Like if if you've ever seen. Like, I think if somebody sees the smiley face button with the blood stain on it, they know what that's from. Yeah. So it's, it, it, you know, it's it's just iconic. Yeah, especially for Watchmen. It's one of the most yeah. iconic images when it comes yeah, to that yeah. series, too. Um, yeah, that's great. I was hoping Watchmen would make an appearance on this list somewhere between one of us. Because uh, it's not on mine, unfortunately. But, you know, mine's very niche, I feel like. It made me realize I need to change up the variety a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of mine are niche. I'm like, none of the, some of these aren't even on, like, greatest. It's, it, like, it doesn't matter that they're not on, like, greatest right. comic book cover lists. But it's like, some of these are, like, 
to cut and niche, but they're it's mild. Yeah, so. that's that's <laughs> the best cares? part yeah. about them, though, is that you know art evokes different things out of people. So some most people would have entirely li- a different list than we have yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. So, but great number nine, man. Really, really good one, Matt. You're number nine, sir. All right, I am going to submit this one. I'm a pretty big Daredevil fan. Uh, and I am ex- I'm pretty excited about the uh, you know the fact that he's getting an 18 episode arc yes. heading into mm-hmm. right I think it's next year no he's going to be 24 She Hulk right he's supposed to be but yeah he's getting like an 18 or something episode yeah. show um, this one is wild all right because Daredevil always fights with all these <laughs> yeah, different yep. street level characters. Um, and him and his rivalry oh, with the Punisher is is, yes. is like impressive, and they did a really good job of it, uh, bringing it to I think it was season two of the Netflix Daredevil. So this one is uh, Daredevil: The Man Without Fear. It is number it looks like one. I think it's eighty three. The picture I have is really blurry. Uh, it's either one forty three or one eighty three, mm-hmm. but it's a shot of Daredevil kind of going towards the Punisher. And Punisher just blasting him in the gut. And there's, like, this gross, pulpy exit coming out of his back. Ugh. And it's so grotesque. It's it's crazy. I mean, you see something like that, your jaw drops. I mean, first of all, you're enticed by the uh, crossover between the two. But you see something like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's... it's it's kind of gross, like it, it, in a in a way. It's but it, it makes you want to like, okay, I got to see what happens in this. Devil gets shot. Is he dead? Right. You know, give me. I, I need to see this. I need to pick it up. So that's very. The, you look at that cover, and it's very reminiscent of their overall relationship, right? Especially at first, they like. Daredevil and Punisher tend to like beat the shit out of each other whenever they like first come across just based on their differences. I think season two of the show did a really good job of showing that too at the beginning. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. Um, it's that scene with him like uh, chained up to the on the roof um, yep. with the gun. <laughs> yeah, that was straight out hand. of the books. That's from yeah, it's from the uh, Garth Ennis uh, Punisher run, the Welcome Back Frank. And, yeah. Like yes, it's basically. Um, Garth Ennis, he hates superheroes, um, it, because like it, uh, Garth Ennis also wrote The Boys. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. That's very like you can tell he hates superheroes, but like The Punisher was different for him in that like he's he kind of explores that hey Frank is just kind of a psycho, but he's like he's 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 a psycho, but like he's doing nominally like he's good <laughs> from what he's doing, but like it's basically. He's sick of Daredevil getting in his way. He's like, either I'm going to shoot this guy, or you can shoot me to stop me shooting this guy. Yeah, and like he, he doesn't do anything, and it's just, I think it's Garth Ennis just trying to like take the piss out of like superheroes. There's also <laughs> there's also an issue called like a Confederacy of Dunces, where it's like, um, can't remember Spider Man, Captain America, and somebody else try and go and stop Frank, and it's it's like it doesn't end well. <laughs> of course it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Punisher's he's got some. Really, you know, his crossovers are wild. Yeah, like um, the Punisher Max series, also by Garth Ennis. It's like the Max titles were like the eighteen plus Marvel titles. Yeah, like it, it goes deeper into like Frank's psychology of like him uh, being like it. The cool thing about the Punisher Max series is that it keeps the it keeps him in real time. So whenever they came out, it's like, okay, Frank is this age because he is a Vietnam veteran. Right. Like, because it goes back into his past of like exploring 
hey, why is Frank the way he is? Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes forward, and he ages in real time. So he's getting, like, in his 60s by the end of the book. So oh, it's really man. cool. He had a really good crossover with Venom that I almost put one of the covers on, like, back in the 90s. And it was really interesting. Funeral Pyre, I think, was the name mm-hmm. of the series. Um but uh, yeah, Punisher, you just always get metal and stuff. And it, it, when I think of crossovers, like him and Daredevil, tops it right. They're yes. just they're yeah. intertwined. Yes. You know, it, it's that the street level Marvel universe. I would call it like because yeah. there's a lot of like uh, Moon Knight crossover there too. Like of <laughs> the, it was a recent, like very recent comic where it's like. Um, uh, Punisher's like, hey, Mark, are you still talking to your your fake god? And he's like, hey, hey, Frank, is your family still dead? Something like that. God. <laughs> Moon Knight doesn't give a fuck. He's another one of my favorite. Yeah, he yeah. just so I've been reading. I've been reading the current issues right now because yeah, they just really restarted good. a storyline. Yeah. So in thirteen, um, it, it, Taskmaster is getting talked into possibly going after Moon Knight to kill him. And the leader of this vampire group is hiring him, is like yeah, talking to him about yeah. it, and Taskmaster's like, "Yeah, no, fuck that. Yeah, I'm because- not going to do that." He's like, "He's like, Moon Knight's the only dude that'll come hunt me down." Yeah, after like, <laughs> the the explanation, like the canon explanation of why he wears white, is because he wants people to see him coming. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's just like a. You know, it's like bat- people try and say he's the Marvel Batman. It's like, no, he he's not at all. Mm-hmm. No. Like, maybe in some aspects, but it's very superficial. Yeah. Way, way more sadistic than Batman is. And that's saying something in, like, <laughs> certain ways. Oh, man. So, Matt, great number nine. Number nine. A- actually, that transitions well into my number nine, too. So I also have a Daredevil issue on Perfect. as my number nine. Um, this is current. Um, this just came out. I believe the cover date is from uh, August of this year. Um, is this the Chip Zdarsky? So it's Daredevil? actually a variant, a variant of um, this new issue one. Okay, and it's the David Nakayama one. So in the beginning of this issue, um, Spider-Man and Daredevil are teaming up. That's my favorite superhero team up of all time. Yeah, is this where they like intimidate uh, the Kingpin's son? Yes, and not becoming another. Yeah, Kingpin? and, and yeah. Matt tells him who uh, like who he is and reveals yeah, he's yeah. still alive. And like Peter's like, man, I wish I could tell you and everything. So, God, this is so fucking cool. The <laughs> Dave Nakayama variant of this issue blends the two Marvel heroes I love more than anything, and it's a perfect tribute to a Spider-Man, to Amazing Spider-Man or Spectacular Spider-Man, but with the combination of both Daredevil and Spider-Man in one costume. I've never seen this variant before. That's really cool. Dude, my comic book guys hooked me up with that one. They I, they leave it aside. I tell them what I want every week, and they just oh, yeah, leave yeah, aside yeah. everything that I do. Cool. And they chose that variant for me, and I was so happy they did. I could when I looked at this the first time, I went, "Holy shit!" Some of these are are um, newer ones that I have in my pile right now, but it's only because, like we were talking about with these covers, some t- they're stepping it up more and more. Yeah. Oh yeah, with some of like the beautiful things they're doing. The and variants are like it's a it's a way to showcase new artists. It's, it's like it's gorgeous. Because at one point I'm like, why do we need variant covers? And somebody said that exact thing to me. It's like it's a way of to showcase different artists that you usually don't see it mm-hmm. very often. It's like, oh, but yeah, that makes sense. Like, there's a lot of 
I can't remember. Uh, Art Gem is the one yeah. that sells out a lot, and um, like Frank Cho covers. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Frank Cho's a high seller yeah. a lot of the time, but this one when. I first laid eyes on it. Just the nostalgia of loving both Spider-Man and Daredevil yeah, yeah, yeah. the way I do. It it just it hit a nerve, and I was I just fell in love with that. I kept like showing people and being like, "Look how cool the people who aren't comic book people." I'd be like, "Look how cool this is, guys! Look how cool this is right now." Nobody's caring about what I'm saying, except like Ben was the only one on my show. Who was like, "Oh my god, of this course. is so cool!" Ben's <laughs> excited about everything, so I, I love it. Oh man, Th- that that's not on my list, but that's, oh, a, okay. that's a Frank Cho like. Uh, he made. He did like a blank cover, and it's it's. They Ghost do that Rider. a lot for artists. Ooh. My one friend. It's Ghost Rider saying it burns my face. <laughs> That's so awesome. One of my uh, guys on our network. He does art. He's done it for Marvel. He's designed like cars and stuff. And um, he sent me as a Christmas gift one year. He, he he got. They sell these blank comic books like covers for artists to draw on. It was very similar to this one. He drew yeah, a bunch yeah. of variations of Cyclops. Yeah. It's hanging up on the wall. Mm-hmm. It's not in here, but I think it's out out there, and it's it, it's. I always found that cool that they gave people the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's it, so. That one was my number nine, just because of great choice. Just because it great like choice. made my heart melt. I'm glad. I feel like Daredevil <laughs> has a lot of underrated covers. There's yes, another, yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's another one that I was thinking about. It, it'd have to be an honorable mention. So him with the revolver. No, oh, no, that's a good one too. No, it's him hugging Electra's grave. Yeah, her headstone. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's a powerful one. Oh. Yeah, that's a powerful one. He's like, because he's you know, he's blind. He's like looking at you. It's so, it's so, it's weird. You like feel, you feel like he's watching you. It's 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 pretty crazy. So yeah. All right. So on to our number eight, Tice. Why don't you lead us off? Uh, my number eight uh, is Action Comics number one. Yes. Uh, again, I don't know why. It's not sending, but I, everybody here. I like how the, the other one said the, the Ghost Rider picture said, but nothing yeah. else could send. It, it's it's. I mean, this is the dawn of. It, I I would say it's the dawn of comic books. Is Action Comics number one? Yes. Uh, I I want to say it's where they consider the golden age of comic books to start because uh, before this. Comic books were made as a means of just reselling uh, newspaper comics, just yes. repackaging them into this uh, form. Um, I think a little before this, they started making like anthology com, like original anthology comics of different like stories and stuff. And this is like the first superhero comic, for lack of a better word, because before this, uh, even like before comic books, you had the like. Uh, pulp magazines with stuff like the shadow and the phantom and stuff yes They're like proto superheroes very shadow is very influential on batman um but like this is a new era of it changed everything mm-hmm. uh it's very eye-catching um i i think another thing with comic book covers is you have to remember where they came from yes uh, it's just like a uh for a long time most of comic book history there weren't like direct sales in comic book stores it was you know off the newsstand so um if you had if you were a kid in 1938 and you had what i think it's like five cents or something Mm -hmm. and you could pick one comic book like it's, it's it was very important that something grab your attention um and this very much does grab your attention mm-hmm and how many times have we seen it 
contributed over the years. Different Count, comic countless. book covers, countless. like um, any media, yeah, like yeah, it, yeah. it's just all over the place. That yeah. cover is so iconic. Superman holding the car, the a guy with his yeah. hand on his head's running away. Like you can picture it wherever you are. That's one of those few issues of a comic where you say the name and number, and you can picture Everybody exactly where it is. It is. It, yeah, yeah. If- yeah. Everybody who's like you know in the comic books, or I mean, probably most people. I'm. There might be more, uh, like not to like disparage other people, but it's like you know everybody, like people who don't even read comic books, might know what that looks like. Yeah. Sure, because it's like a, it sells for so much money, and it's like it's always a. Oh, that's that's action comics. <laughs> well, yeah, one of the biggest yeah. collector's items on earth. I think that that, that uh, that's oh, what the heck is it called? There's a superhero themed restaurant in Grand Island. Oh, I I've been there before. I can't, I can't think of the name. Never heard. Shoot, <laughs> you never heard of it? No, dude, it's so cool. They have a giant statue of the Hulk in Is there. It... There's a comic. They sell. They have framed comic books on the walls. There's comic books like statues, busts everywhere. Oh my god, what the? I'm I'm pissed that I can't remember what I, it's called. I want to say it's something really simple, but I'm googling it right now. Um, hold on. It's not a comic book cafe. I don't think right. Uh, it's Say Cheese Pizza That's Company and comic, book cafe, and comic Book Cafe. So it's it's a combination of both of those things. Um, place is awesome. That place is really, really cool. I haven't been there really in a cool. long time. They have a giant Spider-Man stitch, like, statue hang, hanging out the front. It's one of the coolest like bar bar and grill restaurants I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. Um, man, we should do a field trip. We should. <laughs> yeah, I know. Comic Book Day. I know. That's not a bad idea. It's it's Last time I tried to do their super food thing, and uh, it didn't work out so good. They yeah. have, like, a food challenge, and uh, it was, like, it was like fries on, like, a pizza sandwich. I don't know. I can't remember what it was. It was disgusting. Uh, I felt, well, it was great, but it felt disgusting. Yeah, oh, I bet. Yeah, that that probably didn't come, <laughs> come out very well. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Tice, I'm loving your choices, man. This yeah, is I, I already had a good respect level for you coming into this, but like tripled at this point, <laughs> and we still have more picks to oh, go yeah. to. Oh, yeah. I know. Uh, Matt, you're number eight, sir. Number eight. All right, I found the one, the other one I was looking for. All right, so I remember getting this comic book in 2001, or picking this one up because of the cover. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to send it in a second, but. <sighs> Do you remember? I mean, obviously, you remember Ames. We talked about the store Ames. Yeah, we did on last episode. What yeah. was the? Now you're referring to the one that was in that plaza where World uh, the Crunch Fitness is now in Niagara Falls. Uh, or was there another one? I think it was. So, if I'm not mistaken, the one I'm thinking of was on Young Street, or unless it was okay. like a Hills. Yeah, closer one. It could have been. It could have been a Hills. I think too. it was That's Hills. The other we thing. had a Hills. It, it, it was Hills and Vicks in the same plaza. Okay. Ames took over Hills, and then Big Lots took over Ames. But I remember, I'm pretty sure it was, it was either Hills or Vicks. But these were like the greatest stores of all time back then. They had all the toys. They had a whole aisle of Pokemon toys mm-hmm. back then. But I remember this is one of the first comic books that I ever bought for myself. Um, it is ta-da, Sonic the Hedgehog 100. Yeah. All right. I grew up Sonic the Hedgehog oh, guy, let's go. kid. Right? I think almost everybody had a Sega Genesis growing up. So you see, you know, Sonic, and then you see, like, I seen this cover. This is, like, this cover hooked me because, yeah, I'm like, what, you know, comic books, whatever. I don't want to spend my allowance on just comic books, but I was getting to that point where, you know, if I made a dollar or two a week cleaning up my room, okay, I'm going to go buy a comic book. And the art style for this was so cool because it had a classic take on it, 
Mm-hmm. Right? I think that, yeah, I think this came out in two thousand one. Tenth anniversary of Sonic. Uh, this is number one hundred. I mean, look at the comic book price: a dollar ninety nine for this book. And I, I I remember looking at this multiple times over before finally deciding to buy it. And I adored it, but it, you know, I mean, I didn't know who half of these characters were, right? I knew Sonic and Tails, but it's just the the art, the way that the art style is. Like Sonic just looks cool as ever. <laughs> Tails has like his classic look, but there's like a darker tone around him. And then in the background is all these old, you know, all the different old like the, comic the book Sat- The Saturday morning, these uh, yeah, well, these were like the Saturday morning characters. Yes, I, I remember. Like I read that I when I was very young, I read the the Archie comic sonic books like this and they were like (laughs) they they so like this the i can't remember i think it's like sonic they call it sat am because it's saturday morning yeah it's like a cyberpunk dystopian (laughs) sonic and that's why it kind of basically adapts um i think this was if it was 2001 this is probably around the time of like the the last gasps of the Dreamcast and Sonic Adventure Two. So yeah, this mm-hmm. came out just at the end of it, and I hadn't had a Sega. You know, my I had a Sega Genesis, and that was the last new Sega console that I bought. So the last newer game Sonic game that I played was Sonic Three. But that stuff never leaves you, even if you go away. Like never. if I went and seen a good Crash Bandicoot looking comic book right now, I'd go pick it up. Uh, but just Sonic was just that cool still. And again, it, the, it even says the what is it? The world's most way past cool kind of right, <laughs> and it was it was cool. I think Knuckles was in it. I, you know, I got to meet a whole cast of characters. There were like a bunch of echidnas. Yes, <laughs> there was a lot. They just they flooded the market with echidnas. But Sonic 100 from 2000, I believe it's one from Archie Adventure series. Uh, this is the first non Marvel DC comic that I ever had too. So uh, I love it. That art is so unique too. Like it just it really pops out at you. I could see why that would be the first one like you would pick from the shelves too. Like oh, that yeah. looks, oh man, right? And, and I wish I still had to this day. I, I really do. That I, was as some of the ones I was thinking of. I was like, damn, I wish I still had this issue. I wish I still had that one. <laughs> Bringing me back to Batman Beyond One. Oh my god, I think I'll talk about that on every <laughs> show that we ever have good, out here. Good. <laughs> Don't stop. Oh man, um, great number eight, Matt. That's I Thank love you. seeing ones that aren't your run of the mill like, uh, run of the mill like oh, you know this is like Batman, Spider Man, like Marvel, DC. Like it's good to have those ones in here. So that's a really really awesome one to have. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. man. Um, so my number eight, um, is. My first Batman on this list, like my first like specific Batman mm-hmm. title. Um, so I'm talking about Batman number 500. Um, it's Kelly Jones and Bob LaRose on the cover art for this one. Uh, it's known for being the last, um, like the final issue in the Nightfall section yeah, of yeah, yeah. the yep. whole storyline. Um, so the cover is New Jean Paul Valley. Um, in the updated, like, tacked-out Batman as, suit. As Bat. As, as Bat, yes, yeah. as Bat. Um, it's, it's as Bat beating the crap out of Bane, basically giving back what uh, he gave to Bruce Wayne, which, you know, so, some of those ones, as we talked about earlier, cool. um, they depict things that don't happen in the issue. However, this 100% happens... And boy, does Jean-Paul Valley beat the crap out of Bane in this issue. Like, he just, like, Tim has to physically stop him and be like, dude, 
you're you're going to kill him and that's not what it's about. Yeah, like Asriel is very much in the same like mold of Moon Knight. You know? Yeah. Like a, they're very like disconnected from reality. Oh, well, I man. mean like John Paul Valley is like Asriel is like a separate personality almost if I remember. But like yeah, when John Paul Valley took over as Batman, like he started out in the Batman costume and he was like going a little overboard and then he added like all these sharp edges and knives mm-hmm. to this costume. One of my favorite, because that's one of, uh, I love collecting those storylines, specifically mm-hmm. Nightfall, Night's Quest, Night's End. That um, has the, like, the ninja Batman and the bat mask, right? Yes. Is that where you're, okay. Yeah, that's yes. That's what made me think of. So um, they, uh, in Night's Quest, when he's like in the midst of being full Batman, there's a couple issues where Joker's in it and he's setting him up. And when... When Valley is fighting all the henchmen within it, Joker at one point looks and he's like, wait, that's not him. And he gets so pissed off. He's like, it's done. That's it. It's not him. I'm not I'm not sticking around for this. I'm not doing this for someone who's not actually Batman. And even Jim Gordon at the end of it, he's just like, who is this guy? Like, this isn't the same dude. I don't know what's going on, but like he needs to come back. It's like the uh, when Dick took over as Batman yes. with Damien as his Robin. That's mm-hmm. a really good. That's another really. good I love Batman. that storyline. That, that's also Grant Morrison, right? That's also Grant. Yeah, I that's a, that Batman and Robin run is really good. Too. Oh, it's the best. It's so good. Um, but the the Nightfall series is one of the most iconic when it comes to Batman. So yeah. that's why that one specifically made my number eight. That's really good. I love that cover. I feel like I've seen that before too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there's a similar issue. Um, in Detective Comics a few issues later, um, where on the cover, instead of Bane, it's Asriel beating the crap out of Tim. Right. So it's just showing him going deeper into, like, the I'm just going to do this on my own and be a rogue <laughs> Batman run, which is my favorite run just because it's so different from how he was. Like, no one had ever seen Batman that brutal at that point. Right. Now you have all these different, you know, like yeah. Batman one-offs and stuff like that where he's a little bit more brutal, but this was the first to really bring that to the table. Um, yeah, so that's my number eight. Let's move on to our number seven, Let's boys. Let's do it. Tice, your number seven, my friend. My number seven is Crime Suspense Stories number 22 from Ooh. 1954. Uh, you've probably seen this before. This is what, like, uh, this cover is basically was used as an example oh, in, like, yes. the uh, uh, the Senate hearings on comic books and violence. <laughs> uh, because there was this guy by the name of uh, Frederick Wortham. He wrote this book called, like, The Seduction of the Innocents. And it was all about, like... Oh, this is a classic. It, it's yeah, basically it all one. about how, like, you know, comic books, it's the moral panic of this thing is causing our kids to be violent. And it's like there couldn't other be, you know, couldn't <laughs> be other things, like, whatever. But um, it's the... It's an image of a man holding an axe, and in his other hand, he has the head of his wife, uh, and you see her, like, legs splayed out in the background. Like, you don't see, you only see it's, like, black blood on the axe head, but you don't really see anything else. Um, This was, so in the 50s, this this thing kind of helped like established the the comic code authority yeah like yeah. the little stamp you see in the corner of comic books like approved by the comic book of comics code authority um uh for like i don't know i think some stopped using it 
around like 2011, but it was basically you can't have. It was a reaction to all these like horror books because in the 1950s, after World War II, uh, superheroes started to decline in popularity, and all these other kind of comic book genres started to pop up. Yeah, not pop up, but like kind of resurface in their popularity. Like horror was a big one, yeah. uh, Western, sci-fi. Yeah, there's a lot of different ones. Marvel was kind of in a transitional period at the time. I think they were going from timely to Marvel around that period. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Captain America was irrelevant. A lot of those old World War World War Two characters were relevant because the times Mm -hmm. yeah like well it's also um for a lot of american gis they would send them comic books in like their like they would be issued comic books Um, yeah uh and so when you come home from war i like part of the reasoning they you know some people have this reasoning of when you come home from war why would you want to bring back these things it's like it's like a reminder of a different time and it's like it's it's behind us now. We're in this boom period. Um, superheroes are behind us. They helped us through the war, but where where are they going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like in horror media, like anthology horror media has always existed. Like the or since like when popular printing was a thing, like Penny Dreadfuls and like again pulp magazines, like this lurid, uh, I don't know, sensational kind of stuff has always existed on the corners and like i've read this story and it's not very like there's barely any blood it's it's a lot of suggestion it's like a guy kills his wife chops her up and buries him in the backyard so he can (laughs) run off with this other woman and they like go on this they get pulled onto this game show and it's like okay you've won all this money and the gimmick of this game show is we go and bury it in in a certain location. It's like, oh, we're going to your backyard to bury this money. And that's, that's where it ends. It's like, oh, they're going to find the pieces of the body. <laughs> so I, I put this on here just because it's a very, like, striking image. And it's it changed history. Like, if the Comics Code Authority wasn't a thing, would the landscape of comic books look different? Because... Um, even though it wasn't like a binding legal thing, like you can't sell this on your newsstand if it doesn't have the stamp. It's like it mm-hmm. was more of like a hassle thing of like parents and stuff, or like, um, yeah, it was more like a parents kind of thing, or like moral guardian kind of thing. Yeah, like, I the, mean, you the, look at the ESRB for video games, right? Like, parents didn't like their kid; they go watch their kid playing video games and. You know, and it'd be like Mortal Kombat. Like, mm-hmm. okay, like it's just video games. What could be wrong? And you see yeah. Sub Zero ripping out a dude's head. It's like, <laughs> what just happened? You know. Well, so, that, yeah. well, like the Comics Code Authority had some like weird, very like weird censorship rules. Like, you couldn't have vampires, werewolves, or zombies appear in your comic book to if it was to be approved. Um, you had to show authority in a good light. You had to show that crime doesn't pay. And even in these stories, that's what these stories are like. <laughs> any of these, like, Tales from the Crypt or, like, Vault of Horror or, like, these, like, crime books, crime and horror books, they show, they're always, like, a twist ending of, like, this person gets what's coming to them. Like, right. if, like, a lot of these um, stories, like, this this story, the cover story from Crime Spend Stories, number 22, mm-hmm. was adapted for a Tales from the Crypt episode. And, like, like, any Tales from the Crypt episode, they end with, like, the person who did bad has bad things happen, like, horrifying things happen to him. It's mm-hmm. like, 
and this basically killed EC Comics, and then EC Comics went on to like publish Mad Magazine. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, from you know, from one thing sprouts another. But yeah. it, but it's so yeah, it, it that's a really cool reason to put that on there too because. Who would have thought that there would have been those restrictions on those types of things too? Yeah, like, like, they, like these covers, like I said, like the pulp magazines had these like kind of lurid and sensational and kind of like scandalous covers too, and mm-hmm. like that. But that was during the twenties and the thirties when I guess you know we had you know depression era yeah. stuff, so yeah, I mean, less less time to worry about you know inane things like this you know <laughs> yeah that's i think that's the problem we have now too is we have too much time on our hands with some of these things some that people them. are carrying like about. it's like this in any kind of like um <laughs> like post i don't know if you'd say crisis period but like in the 1980s or like late 70s early 80s or most of the 80s you have like the satanic panic yeah yeah like D, which they like they take advantage of in the newest season of stranger things it's like yeah anytime there's like a a boom period where things are good and like we don't have much else to worry about it's like okay if there's problems in our society we're not going to go right to the the source of these problems (laughs) we're just going to blame these things like exactly or like Grand Theft Auto, you know. Oh, yeah. I remember remember those days. Oh, my God. I remember those days. Ah, Simpler times. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great number seven. Very good. Um, Matt, you're number seven, sir. All right. What am I going to pick here? All right. Let's go for this one. Since it is the cover of The Amazing Spider-Man number 375, it was billed as the final confrontation between Spider-Man and Venom. Yep. Actually, a really great book. I had... It's a holographic. Yes, that's yeah. why I loved it so much. It was oh, such a beautiful cover. Um, you know, when you find a holographic comic book cover, it's the same as opening up a pack of cards and finding a holographic Charizard or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, I have a, I've had a non-holographic one, but I had multiple holographic ones. Um, this story was really cool, but, I mean, again, the holographic aspect of it really popped for me. And this is Prime Spider-Man, and Venom is... So for those who don't know, Venom and Cyclops are my 1A, 1B when it comes to, to comic book characters. Ooh, yes. Those are my two favorites. So and the whole Venom versus Spider-Man rivalry is like the best. And I, that's why it's been, I've been sad that we haven't gotten a really incredibly great Venom run in live action. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've had glimmers. Uh, I didn't hate the first Venom movie with uh, with uh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. I didn't hate it. Second one, I was very disappointed in. I haven't even watched it. Oh, I, I like. I'm just like. Don't I, do it I don't yourself. Care. Yeah. Carnage looked great, but just it was just bad. It's all over the place. It was all over the place. The first time I went to go see it, I remember the the <laughs> the, the, the movie theater caught on fire oh, right before nice. right when Carnage. Oh, I, do you care if I spoil it? I, I don't care. Right when yeah. Carnage is breaking streak out of whatever asylum. So right before all the action started, it was the movie was shit before that. Funny moments, but it was really not great. So oh my god. Um but yeah, so this is the peak this is the end of it. They actually this led to a lot of the some of the bigger 90s storylines. This led to um, in pro wrestling terms, Venom's face turn. Oh yes, is uh, this like Lethal Protector and Max? Is this, this goes into it. So this is, this is his, post. Is this pre or post Maximum Carnage? This is pre. Okay. Um, this sets yes. up him going to San Francisco. He in this book, uh, they're fighting, and I think there's an ex girlfriend of, of Eddie Brock's there, 
and Spider-Man actually ends up saving her. Like because the, they're fighting, a, a, a Ferris wheel is about to fall on her, mm. and Spider-Man goes to lift it up, and he goes, Venom's like. Well, maybe he's not as bad as I thought he was. Uh, and it's really cool. They have this handshake deal. They make an agreement. Venom bounces to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It starts lethal protector, separation anxiety, I think, eventually. And, yeah. and yeah, eventually yeah. goes to Maximum Carnage, which is my favorite comic book storyline of all time. That's a great Hands story down, line. my favorite. I love the video game. I love the comic story because it includes so many great characters and there's a lot of great artwork. But this is the big setup for it. Uh, and I mean, I had it sitting in my in my library for a long time before I ever like opened it up. I just like this cover's cool, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a major storyline. Yeah, this is the thirtieth thirtieth uh, anniversary book of Amazing Spider Man, but so number three seventy five ninety two. I think yeah, uh, yeah ninety one ninety two. It's an April release. I'm trying to th- yeah, I can't remember yeah, exactly, matter. but um, but yeah, it's it's around that time. It's it's. I th- Maximum Carnage was 93. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, 92 would make sense. It's so funny because I never collected Spider-Man, but I know, like, everything about the comics mm, because right. I used to have so many books that, like, yes. explained. I had, like, the Discovery, the DK. Me too. Yes. I, I used to read like, that front book. to yeah, back yeah. all the time. I think a lot of those comic book people utilize those so much because then we could just get all their information from it without having to backlog everything yeah because like you'd see like i want to read amazing spider-man number 300 i'm i'm seven years old i'm gonna go to the comic book store and say do you have amazing (laughs) spider-man 300 it's like if we had it it'd be up here on the wall and it'd be like hundreds of dollars just look at you like get the fuck out of here kid Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, but Venom is absolutely, he's a top-tier Spider-Man yeah. villain and anti-hero he's the best for one. sure. I know Green Goblin and Doc Ock are constantly regarded the best, but the Venom one is so, like, it's even more personal than Green Goblin. Yes. If, if you haven't read Craven's Last Hunt, you should read Craven's Last Oh, Craven's Last Hunt. I have not. That's great. another great it's cover. A great, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good one. Um Great number seven, Matt. Thank That's you, really good. You. So my first um, X-Men related one is going to be my number seven. So this is um, a recent one. It's a Mark Brooks um, cover. Um, I love a lot of the things like you were saying earlier that are coming out X-Men wise right yeah. now. Oh, yeah. Immortal X-Men is great. Um, X-Men Red is phenomenal. Um, currently they have the Judgment Day storyline going on. Mm-hmm. I need to catch up on issues. I literally have had them sitting in my backpack forever, and I need to just sit down and be reading. Um, but this one caught my eye for a lot of reasons, which you'll see. But it's Emma Frost on the cover, and it's just Emma Frost on this one. And this thing is just like, it's almost like an oil painting. I love every uh I love everything about that. Mm, it's me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um so she's I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> Don't you take that with <laughs> Listen, I collect those and the pages will come back sticky. Don't do it. Um no, it's um I, this one does lead to a lot of it's a very Emma Frost based issue. Um Within this one, but mm. uh, I just – I don't know what it is about that, but it encapsulated me not because I'm like, oh, it's sexy. It's such a good looking. But the detail within this is like very something detailed. you would see hanging at a gallery somewhere. Like it almost looks like a very like bourgeois sort of um, you know tasteful kind of like cover you'd see 
on almost any like pinup or any kind of media. Mm-hmm. And I thought this take of using that for this cover was just so brilliant. And I love when you do a lot with it with a you know, kind of like a little image. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those for me where it just it really, really stands out. So there are a lot of really good X Men ones I could have included and will include later on this list, but um the way this stood out for me as of recently just Yeah, was, I like yeah. the the red background with the with obviously Emma Frost is as yeah. white as ice, you know, pun intended. Or white is white as snow. White is snow. Yeah, white is snow something is. like that. And it just it, it it makes for a really interesting cover. It's it's very well drawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's it's so good. Um, yeah, but that's I don't have much to say about it other than that. It just it takes your breath away. Stands for itself, <laughs> yeah. and and it's X Men, dude. Like X Men's one of the greatest franchises of all time. Sure and, is. Mm-hmm. And it, they just have so much good stuff to choose from, too. Just say, same with Spider-Man, same with anything like that. There, there are just so many iconic images. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're on to our number six. Tice, can you lead us off? Yeah, my number six is Amazing Fantasy number 15. Ah, there we go. So it's the original, the you know, the debut Spider-Man yes. cover. Um, it's another, like, game-changing cover. It's It's... it's it's very striking. I think even without the, you can tell this was made using the uh, the Marvel method of Steve Ditko makes this really dynamic and and cap like engrossing image, and then Stan Lee you know puts a bunch of like dialogue in there that probably didn't need to be there. <laughs> um, like uh, the the Ditko Lee run is very. It's like it it showcases um, a lot of Steve like his his ability as an artist and um, this is where it all starts. Uh, This is another like it's been parodied. Like I there's a Deadpool cover of like this kind of same image, but it's like a cable snapping that he's holding on to. (laughs) Yeah, I think they did this cover too when Spider Man got the symbiote. After Secret yeah, Wars. Uh, it's uh, amazing. I can't remember the number, but it's an amazing Spider-Man. It's like he's back, and he, it's the back, in, like he's yeah. back in the black costume. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of yeah. There's been a lot of parodies on this on this specific design. It's it's so iconic. Yeah, like I think this. Yeah, it's also like I said, it's an example of the Marvel method of. Um, Stan would give them like, here's an idea of what I want, and the artists would you know take the ideas and kind of plot and make their own thing um uh, and you get these you get a lot of great results and sometimes like sometimes the dialogue can add and sometimes it can be like overly wordy like stan you're trying to just (laughs) you're like it a lot of this is a problem with a lot of old comics is a lot of like narration that sometimes it's needed sometimes it's not like sometimes you can the art can speak for itself. It's right. Know, if you think of comic panels as like shots in a movie or like a storyboard, like you can tell a lot of these things without, you know, needing to say things. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm I rant. I'm no, going, no. I like this. I'm going on a Marvel method rant. <laughs> no, this is what ex- this is exactly what these lists are about too. Is yeah. like we, you know the. The comics are the important thing, but the content around them is just as important is yeah, why like, we're picking it too. Like, um it's like this with the Jack Kirby stuff too. Like the 
it's not on my list, but the Fantastic Four number one cover of yes. the the monster coming out of the the, the 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 street and everybody's like attacking it, and it's like it's also another like it's this very dynamic image and you know grabs your attention, but it also has this other like you know like word bubbles and stuff, and it's like the thing that's catching your eye isn't the dialogue in this case it like it's it's the image like Mm -hmm. most comic books covers that's what's going to grab your attention sometimes you'll have like these sensational titles of like like does this really happen in the comic book (laughs) yeah like like i said very like a lot earlier the, the silver age dc stuff of like the outrageous um fat superman or like drown or jimmy olsen and the desert with no water and like superman's like nope I'm not giving me any water <laughs> <laughs> or like the multicolored batman and his like multicolored suits or stuff yeah, yeah. i i got one this is a well it was a cover a misle- another misleading cover it was spider-man versus superman and they didn't fight in the comic book once nah <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, it's always a shame when they do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I mean, that. we all know who would win that one. Oh so. yeah, one hundred percent, we do. One hundred percent. So yeah, really good, Tyson. Thank you. Um, your number six, Matt. All right, my number six, my friends. I am going to put here this classic Avengers comic book cover, not the OG, but this is one I've uh, I've I fall in love with, and I was really really glad we got to see it in live action. This is Avengers number 223, <laughs> yeah. Hawkeye and Ant-Man. Somebody's going to get it. Um, I've actually never held the, the original comic, but I did have an Ant, <laughs> I had an Ant-Man comic book compilation. This was a really cool team-up. Scott, This is Scott Lang Ant-Man. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Scott Lang Ant-Man. Uh, I, I would think so. I'm, yeah, I'm most so. positive it is. Him and his daughter, Cassie, were at the circus. And a bunch of stuff happens. Ant Man has to suit up, and Hawkeye happens to be there. And I mean, it's so cool. It, it's it's the signature scene of Hawkeye with with Ant Man on the arrow. Uh, uh, you know, Hawkeye's pulling back, and I'm like, hey, this is awesome. And then everybody said when Civil War was coming out, we better see this scene. We better see this scene happen, and they did it. And like, come on, Arrow guy, let's go, let's go. And they, he shoots him, and then he, he gets all giant man, and. Uh, it's 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 really neat. I I think Hawkeye is very very underrated. Uh, the live action movies have done him no justice, and uh, like, literally no justice. Hawkeye was a major character in the nineties, and he's gotten no love. I I it, I thought out of all the show, I'm not gonna say it was the best Disney Plus show, but it was probably the second best in my opinion. That, that's mm-hmm. also I mean it's adapting a good Hawkeye run too. Like very good. I can't remember who it is, but with like Lucky the pizza dog and yes uh, Kate. Uh, <laughs> But I my I like Hawkeye when he was it was the Dark Avengers when Bullseye was Hawkeye. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah. like there was um, how perfect is that? Because during um this whole like uh, Norman Osborn becomes uh, Iron Patriot and he forms his own Avengers team. I love that storyline. And like Bullseye becomes Hawkeye, and I remember like there was a. I don't know if it was a team up or something, but it was him and Deadpool, and it was just like a. It showed like a flashback and air quotes here of like <laughs> him as a young kid and Deadpool as a young kid with the Deadpool mask on, <laughs> and they're like killing people or. So but it, like I remember one of the the lines is "Let's go knock over a candy store." <laughs> 
It's so good. Oh, my God. But, yeah, these are a classic. Nice, solid white background. Uh, I actually really like the Avengers text coloring on this one, too. The blue, the Hawkeye's yeah. blue, and the like, the red. Or it looks almost purplish like purple. mm-hmm. um, a little bit. But, yeah, I loved Hawkeye back in the day. I thought he was really good. I was kind of disappointed that... Uh, uh, again, he was, he was just he was on the afterburners throughout the entire MC. He always was, but um, the show gave him such a nice platform. It I did. It, it really did. did. I'm glad it ended up happening because I know Jeremy Renner was going through some stuff. Uh, I think during the filming of it or before the filming, uh, but I put they pulled it off and it was it was a lot of fun. It got to tie in Kingpin and and all those characters. So all I'm all the way here for it. So uh, the Avengers number just lost it. Uh, 223 from September. I can't think of, I don't know what year it is, but, um, but yeah, look it up and it's, it's one of the more iconic Avengers covers. Yeah. I love it. It's, and those are two characters too, that aren't utilized as much as you'd want them to. So that's a great inclusion on this list. Yeah. Like who, who would have thought back then, like a Hawkeye Ant-Man crossover and they put, they pulled it off really good. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Um, so my number six is actually one that's extremely fresh. It just came out this past week. Um, it's another X-Men title. So my, my nostalgia factor has really been getting pushed lately because they've uh, been releasing this series called X-Men 92. And mm-hmm. it's the original style of all the 90s characters we grew up with of the Jim X-Men. Lee. Yeah, the Jim mm-hmm. Lee. Yeah. The, um, so this cover is um, by David Baldion. Baldion? Yeah, I hope I'm getting the phonetics right of that one. Um, and it's another red-toned one, but it's the characters that are on the cover of this one that I absolutely uh, love. So for those listening, you have Jean Grey, Magneto, oh, yeah. um, Storm, and Cyclops all on uh all on this rock platform, all surrounded by red. Almost looks like it could tie into X-Men oh, Red man. in some type of way, just with the way it's designed. But um, the X-Men have always been, like, the coolest group, in my opinion. Because that yeah. yeah, that's the, that's the classic, classic Magneto the, design. The beautiful, I, like, red suit with the helmet. I, it, it's, it's the best. And even that Jean costume, I've always loved that version of Jean Grey. With, like, yeah. the, the head, I don't know what you call it, like, the, the head, head like band. Like and, yeah. it, it almost looks like it would match Logan's in some way. Like, mm. it, like during that time period with, like, the yellows. Like, almost mm. like, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> maybe some subtleties being pushed there. Maybe just a bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, and, like, has that um, X belt like the classic team logos i um i love that they're um delving into shit like this now where they're bringing back the old things that we love um bruce tim and paul dini just did it with um batman yeah with batman the adventure never ends or um whatever that title was um those things being uh, touched on now is so cool. And just to see that um, in my comic book pickups for this week just gave me this factor of where, what year am I in right now <laughs> yeah. where I'm seeing these titles on the shelves again looking exactly like it did when I was a yeah. kid. Um, and I, I, that's why it made it on my list just because – they're doing such a good job right now of sticking to the roots of a lot of different things. And um, with certain things just not 
not expanding more than they need to, but just doing what got them to the dance in the first place and yeah. just keeping yeah. those storylines alive, I think it's a really, really great thing they're doing in this age. It's, it's, it's the problem with all comic books face is that some once at, at some point your continuity becomes too convoluted and you're like, we're just going back to basics. Yes. And I like, I, I like the direction that the X-Men have gone into recently because it's very much a... like. It's, you know, having their own nation. Yes. Mutants having their own nation is a very interesting concept because it's it's the, um, I would say it's more like if if you're doing the parallels between, like, real world and stuff, it's, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's very much a, like, what some, you know, radical groups are saying, like, we need our own nation or, like, we want self-determination for yeah. our people. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, it, I think it's, it's very neat concept and, um, I think it, so Magneto's my favorite of, oh, of the, course, the X-Men. So it, it's very much in line with his, um, I hate when they call it the evil, the brotherhood of evil mutants because it's, it's like, it, no, it, he's, it's a perspective. He, yeah. It's, it's, it's all perspective. He, he's not, he's not evil. Um, I, I think with Magneto, and you see this with Cyclops a bit in more some recent runs. Like they just want a future for their people, and but they're willing to do whatever it takes to get this future for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this you're seeing the culminate, like you're seeing that come to fruition with Krakoa and um, Mars. I can't yes, remember. yeah, they're Araka. Araka, yeah, I think is what they're it, like. You're seeing a, a mutant nation, and it's like it's it's, it's like okay, where do we go now? Yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I love it because it's very not to make this comparison, but it's Wakanda esque too. Like all yeah. these different yeah. like groups of people yeah. within the Marvel universe are now like having their own nations and like, and that's what makes this um, not to totally go off on comic books. It's what's making this Judgment Day storyline so cool right now because they're they're, they're basically uh, the Eternals are basically being like, we're gonna take care of your mutant problem. Don't worry. And they're not even integrated within regular no, yeah. society anymore. They're just living their own life. Uh, if friggin' Druig is just trying to raise hell as much as possible. <laughs> it's like the the mutants are always like they think they finally escaped like persecution, but it's it, for some reason they're always getting it. And then, always. And then at within like the last few issues magneto has just gone off yep yeah it's like that's why i i love that character so much like for so for me i think a very important part of his character is him being a holocaust survivor like, yeah you can't like i don't know how they're gonna do it with him aging like he was born in the 20s it's like he's he's in his he's he's reaching 100 and it's like but you need to keep that that's like integral to his yep. character because yeah. it informs everything about him being this like mutant radical of I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make a future for my people. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's so cool. Like it's there's excellent. so many things you can like. I like the the Colin Bunn uh, Magneto run where it's like him solo, just like being a, a mutant vigilante fighting like mutant hate crimes. So cool. And then him, uh, I can't remember what's in him beating the Red Skull to death with his bare hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then people around him were like, no, stop. Think of Charles. And it's like, <laughs> this man, he's, he had, like, he, he, he's a Holocaust survivor. You don't right. want, he, he's going to beat the, the Nazi to death. Why are you stopping him? <laughs> I know. Don't stop good people from yeah. killing bad people, yeah. please. <laughs> <I still. laughs> 
All right, boys, we're up to our top five on this we list. We are. So, Tice, why don't you leave us off with number five? Okay. Uh, my number five is from a kind of recent comic, well, 2016. Uh, it's Hillbilly number one. It's, it's by, um, so this is a new comic by Eric Powell. Eric Powell is the guy who created the goon. Uh, if you've ever heard of it, but um, he's one of my favorite comic book artists of all time. Uh, he's like the things he does with like it's like watercolor and his uh, the like his drawing style. It's it's just so cool. Um, for background on people, what Hillbilly is about, it's wow. like a sword and sorcery comic book, but set in uh, rural Appalachia. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, it follows Rondell, the wandering hillbilly. He was born without eyes, but a witch gave him eyes and kind of like screwed him over. Uh, so he's a witch hunter now. What he's carrying is a is the devil's cleaver that the witch took from hell from the devil. So it can kill witches and stuff. Uh, it's very folksy in terms of like how they talk, and it's a lot of like folk tales. Like they do Taylor Poe. Uh, are you, does anybody know what Taylor Poe is? It sounds familiar, but I'm not. Taylor Poe is this like um, American folktale about like a guy goes out hunting. Um, he shoots this creature. It, it's like it it loses its tail. Oh yes, he takes I remember it back this to place to like make a stew out of it for some reason. Mm-hmm. It comes. It's like I want my Taylor Poe, and like it it adapts that story. And it's like I think that's really cool. Yeah, like it's. Because Eric Powell is from, I think he's from Tennessee, so he's from Appalachia, <laughs> and he's bringing a lot of that to this book. I and, love that. And like in the background, you have um, this big bear, uh, Lucille, one of his the his like companions. It's this big giant grizzly bear with like tusks, and like it's this very like it's fantasy, but tries to ground itself in like Appalachia during the I don't know. 18th 19th century okay it's mm-hmm. it's very it's it's so cool yeah i this is a nice really nice cover it's a beautiful cover i i reckon like uh it's put out by albatross press which is his um personal uh press uh it's like you can it's easy to read it like you can find it and you like i think it's on comiXology uh the trades are out there uh he just did this book called uh did you hear what eddie gein done it's a graphic novel about the story of ed gein i've seen Uh, yeah and he did it with uh harold Schechter, who wrote you know a book on ed gein Mm -hmm. uh a true crime book on ed gein and it's like his his art is very much put like uh, it's in the spotlight in that because it depicts everything like even the things we've never seen like things we don't have photos of we just have like speculate like hearsay about like what ed Gein did yes like it shows images of like the true horrifying like like him and his like uh waste baskets of face it like human face waste or like lampshades um his nipple belt like it, it's <laughs> All the classic <laughs> stuff you'd have in your wardrobe. Honestly. Like, yeah, Ed Gein is the. He was like a. He only killed a few people, but like he was a gray robber, and he would like make clothing and items out of people's skin. Mm-hmm. Like he's the basis for Leatherface. Yeah. Yep. I watched a video on him recently. Ugh. 
Yeah, the, that sounds like a really cool. Um, I like folksy stuff like that. It, that yeah, it's. I very much recommend it. Then. Yeah, I, I'm gonna check it out. It, I think, it's based it's on that. it's like a Conan, but in rural Appalachia. Ooh, yeah, that's a great way to describe that. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, that's great. Hillbilly is definitely an issue. I'm gonna check out. I'll, I'll send an. I'll send an image of this of like a panel from this uh, Ed Gein book. And it's just, it's very, like, I don't know, it's it's really cool. Yeah. Let me see. Oh, wow. Of, like, him with a Ooh. lady mask on. Oh, yeah, you could definitely see, like, I like I, I appreciate some of that simple. It's not simple, but, like, non-colorized, like, just black yeah. and white. Yeah, like, there's yeah. a lot. I, think, I feel like there's, you can see a lot of detail. Like, it, it sh- there's a panel, like, there's a spread, like, a page panel in it where it shows him in the moonlight in his, like, woman garb that he made. Um, like, it's things that people have described, and it's, like, it's really eerie and haunting, and, like, it just perfectly captures this thing that you've heard about, but mm-hmm. nobody's ever seen. Wow. That's so awesome. That's a great number five. Yeah. Oh, thank I you. like, I, I mean, this is this is you. Like, it, it's it's you. It's not, everything's mainstream, and I, I think I, I, I love this list. Me too. That you're presenting because of that. Yeah, I tried not to be too much of, like, a hipster. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no, it's good. It's perfect. It's good. All right. Yeah, Matt, you're number five. All right, my number five it is Venom Lethal Protector number two. There it is. All right. There's the image. This is one of my favorite images. I love yeah. 90s Marvel like comic book art. Yes. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people don't like the 90s. Mark Bagley, I'm pretty sure. Uh, let me see. I'm, yeah. It looks like a Bagley. Yeah, Mark Bagley was a yep, big there it is right Spider-Man. There, right um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's right on the building there. Um, they got a pencil in and... Uh, yeah, I actually had a, a hard like a wooden like wooden poster thing of yeah it uh, at one point. I auctioned it off in my stag party. My, I wish I had it back, but I love this era of Venom design. You know, the early ones were a little rough for me. Mm-hmm. You didn't show yeah, you yeah. didn't show a whole lot of teeth, and it was just it was just basically buff Spider Man with a smile. Yeah, and it was all like yeah. there was no like I know he's not like. He's not really blue, but there was no blue colorization in the original Venom. It was, it's it was very, all black. Yeah, it was all black. It was very frumpy looking. Like mm-hmm. if you go watch Venom's first appearance, and I think it's Spider-Man 300. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's not. It looks nothing like this. This no. is my favorite version. A lot of later versions got super goofy with his design too. Super over the top. They reined it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this was the best version. It was it was muscles. It was. Um, it, it was, it was lifelike. Like I could picture this and I wish that, you know, I, I wish we had a live action that looked like this and we haven't had that. Yeah. Never. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Venom. He's like spread out, sprawled out between two buildings. Uh, yeah, it's the part two of six and, uh, the actual, I believe the separation anxiety game pulled elements from this and the separation anxiety storyline. Um, into or no, 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 I'm sorry. The movie did. Yeah, the, the life, movie did. Separation Anxiety Life Foundation, life Foundation um, pulled elements. The the Separation Anxiety game is a complete 
pull of the the the, the separation anxiety story. Mm. But um, but yeah, so the Lethal Protector was a you know was a uh, this is one of his most famous runs. Yeah, that he had. Um, this is I think this is Venom's first run as a solo. I believe star. so. And they found a way for Spider Man to be included in, in bits and pieces as well. Of course, yeah. Um, but they did it in a really in a really cool way where Spider Man actually comes to help bail out Venom with some trouble. Um, you should read um, if you haven't. The Donny Cates Venom Run. Uh, so that's the like uh, the King in Black, the King of the. Oh, God, is it the, the newer one that came out like a couple years ago? The, the God of Symbiotes yes. shows up. Yes, it's First so Host cool. was it? Fir- first Host was it? You, you, I think that's a part of it. Okay, um, but yeah, it's so it's so neat because he does like all these things of trying to explain the logic behind the symbiotes of like why why are they afraid or why does sound harm them why does mm-hmm. fire harm them right um why why is there green spit coming out of venom's <laughs> mouth and he's like it's like he explains it as it's the the symbiote like healing itself and that's like the byproduct or something yeah because donny cates he i listened to this podcast he was on he was like i was such a big venom fan i would just come up with these explanations on the schoolyard and people would take them as fact and he's like <laughs> now i'm doing it for real i love it and, isn't it cool and like one of the, his coolest i don't it's not really a spoiler but like the coolest explanation of what the symbiote like why they're at like why fire and sound harm them is because they come from the void of space like they're they're like a black hole it gave it no, science you're saying mm. well not really like kind of to but it, it gave like an illogic like it's yeah. from the void like there's no sound or no heat or no light coming from that pl- like so the void of space it, so see. it's like it's made from the void it's like it's a very cosmic horror kind of thing and it's, it's just really cool like they've had a couple explanations of what the symbiotes are and I think this is the coolest one. Yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. That's awesome. So, all right. So that was my number five. Danny, what you got for five? So my number five, um, I talked about this on last episode, and I just, the the first issue of this um, really, really uh, caught me in a nostalgia pitch, just like I, we were talking about before. Um, so right now, the Batman Beyond storyline is called Neo Year, and it's awesome. It's really, really good. It's um, for those who didn't hear it last time, Bruce Wayne has passed away and Terry McGinnis has a year to take down um, Bruce's killer. I actually, since last episode, I found out that this is only a six issue run, Ah, which I'm really sad about um, because I would love for this to keep going. But we're on issue five now, which means I get the last one next month, which will be great. Um, The first issue of Neo Year, um, the cover art is by Max Dunbar and Sebastian Chang, and it is just like it gives me that feel of Batman from day one that oh, I watched yeah. of Batman Beyond. Just it's the perfect depiction of just him. He's got the suit in the perfect manner that you would want to see it. The classic Beyond suit. You've got the nice blues and reds behind him highlighting the whole image. And it leads into later in the issue a spread over two pages of a nice full scene of him standing on Gotham. And when you see it, you're just like, this is my childhood right now. Right. Like, this is really – and it it's a nice intro into what's happening now because he's slowly losing all the tech that Bruce built him, all this um, – all these things like that and becoming his own version of Batman. 
Um, which now that I know it's only six issues, this makes sense because at the end of issue five, he just built his new suit and you get to see it in the next one, which I'm wildly stoked about. Um, But I've been a huge Batman Beyond fan for a lot of reasons, and if a lot of the covers I still had intact um, I had with me, um, I would put them on this list. Right. However, because um, I did want to keep it within the realm of a lot of things that um, I owned and that I was familiar with, uh, this brought me back to a specific era of my life mm-hmm. where Batman Beyond just ran every little thing I did because of how freaking cool it was. And you can't display uh, a, a better image of how he is and how he's supposed yeah, to Yeah, that, that cover, whoever did that cover, like course they're an artist so it's like if you look at it there's a lot of good like perspective things going on like yes. there's a point that's going to that draws your eye to it it's very like it's symmetrical it's very it's it's a very appealing to the eye yes i would say very much so and for a first issue of things too we uh, we touched on a lot of like action comics one amazing fantasy we like your those eye. things yeah. you, you gotta have something like yeah. that in order to be like oh, i want to read this and when i saw that that's the that's the feeling i got yeah. from it yeah, yeah. immediately was i need to start reading batman beyond again immediately um so that made my number five very good yeah man all right top four tice want to kick us off number four yeah my number four is swamp thing number one from 1972 hold on very cool um this is a because this is another one of my favorite comic book artists of all time uh bernie wrightson he is like the, I think this just show like it's a it's also another very like captain it's a very captivating cover of like action going on Ooh. like you see swamp thing rising from the swamp and I there's, remember there's this. a there's a person there's like a guy like holding somebody hostage and they're just both terrified of this image that's coming up from the muck uh this is like when swamp thing started it was very much like a I don't say this in a disparaging way, but it's like a B-movie kind of pastiche of a man becoming a monster from, like, his own, like, science. Um, like, these... Alec Holland is making this bio-restorative formula that, like, makes plants grow twice as big, twice as fast. And they're like, we're going to send you to Louisiana to hide you from anybody that would want this. <laughs> and, like, some goons come and they're like we have somebody that'll buy that for you. And then he's like, no, no, I'm good. Uh, then they come by and they're like, well, if they can't have it, we're just going to burn this whole place down. Um, during the explosion, he gets covered with his restorative formula. He dies, like he's on fire. He dives into the swamp and then he becomes a swamp thing. But that later gets retconned into like, no, um, the bio-restorative formula just made like a swamp thing. And it took it on his memories, and then it goes further, and like, no, mm. there's this force, there's this elemental force called the green, which encapsulates all plant life on Earth. And they made their, they tried to choose Alec Holland as their avatar, but he was too far gone, like his body was too far gone to make him the Swamp Thing. So they made their own, uh, whatever. But <laughs> so like this, but this era of Swamp Thing is like he's this pulling i'm pulling from the the material mm. a muck encrusted mockery of a man like he's this very b-movie character trying to find if like get back his humanity or like and it's a monster of the week kind of book of him taking on different like weird like monster threats and like mad scientists and stuff it's it's 
like uh, there were other covers that I wanted to pick, like Swamp Thing number ten is another good one of him fighting uh, Anton Arcane and his unmen. They're like these malformed ghouls that um, this mad scientist tried to make to make it like have a new younger body, but like they would always like degenerate into these weird malformed ghouls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just him like in this struggle with a this monster of a man and all these other little creatures trying to grab and claw at him. Um, it just, it's a very like, it's like when I think of burning rights and that's what I think of. And like, he's done other like very amazing stuff. Like, uh, he, I have it at home and you can find it at Barnes and Noble. Uh, he did an illustrated edition of Frankenstein, um, it's it's incredible. Like if it was a comic book, it'd probably be on my list for the. <laughs> but it's just a general poster artwork. Piece of artwork. Well, no, like he. So they they took the, uh, the book by Mary Shelley Frankenstein, and he did illustration like illustrations for oh, the that's book. Awesome. So yeah. like, there's the cover, and then there's like the, uh, like in between, like in chapters, there's always like a plate of a of an illustration that he's done. And he's done this for other books too. Like, uh, there's a Stephen King book called Cycle of the Werewolf, um, where he, like, every, if you've ever seen the movie Silver Bullet with um, Gary Busey, mm-hmm. that's what's based on. Um, it's him, like, it's every chapter, there's a page that he illustrated of, like, a werewolf attacking someone or something else happening. But I'll try and find that. Uh, the art he did for Frankenstein, but they, that's my. It's it's my number four because I love Bernie Wrights and he's had a lot of influence on artists, other artists I love, and he and Len Wein, the the, the writer for Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. they both died within the past few years, and like those were two big, <laughs> two big guys because Len Wein was also the guy who uh, co-created like Wolverine and all yeah, the, like. You know, giant size X Men with like Colossus and Storm. Yeah. Like he was the co-creator for that, and it's like we're just losing all these people. And it's it, they're like some of them are dying pretty young too. It's like it's just so uh, it's a it's a bummer. It sucks. It's yeah, yeah. I feel you on that. I know you. you we were just talking about Neil Adams earlier. That was that was a big one that we lost just this year. Yeah, like that was so unexpected for me because like he, like I said, he's all he's always at a con just selling stuff or drawing stuff and like like he was super he's like a super approachable guy too mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah great number four swamp thing's definitely go. a very good title that people have always gravitated oh, for the, like. the new 52 scott snyder swamp thing run is amazing mm-hmm. uh and like alan moore and you know he did a very famous swamp thing run that's also amazing like swamp thing is a character that a lot of people don't really think about I guess because he's just, he's never really included in the main, like, he's a DC character, and he's right. a part of that universe, but he's, like, a, like, he's a part of, like, the separate DC universe. Right, yeah. Like For the, me, DC's main line is, like, the Justice League character. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. um... And I don't know if Swamp Thing's ever been a part of it, probably not. Swamp maybe Thing, uh... Short, for a small period of time, maybe. Like, but. they have this thing called Justice League Dark, where it's, like, all the supernatural yeah, heroes, yeah. like... Constant John Constantine came out of Swamp Thing, and like he, like you, sometimes you forget he's a DC character. Um, yeah, yeah, no, great one. That's a great number four. 
Uh, Matt, you're number four, my friend. All right. This one is ever so iconic. It uh, helped popularize comic books and set Marvel uh, to new heights. Uh, Yeah, it was one of the best-selling comic books of all time, from my understanding. Very valuable. Um, It is Captain America number one. Oh, yes. All right. Cap punching Hitler. It's classic. Uh Wild, because you will probably never ever see swastikas again on comic books. But this is the this is the time period um, that it was. But I mean, this comic is parodied often. I think like a lot of those original, mm-hmm. right? Like the the Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, like Superman's debut, uh, and like many other comics, this one's parodied quite often. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it's. It's exhilarating, man. Jack it's Kirby. Jack Kirby. This is vintage stuff. You got Bucky oh, looking like nice. a goofball on the front and the bottom of it. Like it's it's Yeah, what's with the Botox on Bucky? Look what's going on. Got them rosy cheeks, man. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, but they're lifted too. Those are <laughs> that's not natural. He's no, doing something so. in the army. I don't think so. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But yeah, I mean like this is this is like Captain America uh I think until the movies came out was, I always viewed him as like a B tier character mm-hmm. in a bit. He just was never the same height as Spider Man or X Men. He never quite hit that. He was popular, but he he never was it. Uh, he never was like the guy. But at, at least when I grew up, but I, back yeah. then, back here in World War Two time, he was. And I, I think somebody told me before that a lot of his the the money that went from his sales went overseas to support the troops. Oh, that's from cool. these books. Um, and I, I mean, that's an enticing cover. Uh, I'd be very curious to see how much that uh, like a, the, the best condition one is worth. Oh God, I'm sure it's, it's astronomical. Yeah, it's from '41, so high grades are going to be very rare, and they're going to be very expensive. Yeah, yeah, oh for sure. So, but like what you were saying about. Uh, who is A and B tier, you know, when we were young, it's like, I don't think a lot of people realize that most of the MCU MCU characters that people love were B tier. If at most. Like Iron Man... Nobody cared about Iron Man. No. Yeah, he, he had his own cartoon, and like I never watched. Yeah, nobody, nobody cared. really cared about um, the Avengers in general. It was usually Spider Man, X Men. Maybe Fantastic Four. Yep. Pretty much every all the movie rights that went to Sony and Fox, Fox. and Universal, yeah. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. Hulk yeah. You know, yeah. I know Those they got a, a deal a deal right now with Universal. I think it's still intact, but. Um, but yeah, all those A level characters that we grew up with, it, it's that's why we're like we've been cr- cr- we've been dying for the movie rights to come. Well, to yeah, yeah. That, that's also why Marvel was able to retain those rights to establish the MCU's because who wants to make an Iron Man movie? Right? Yeah, yeah, I know. Or, or like a Thor movie, like that's got to be the hardest one to do because it's just so out there. Yeah. Yeah. Four, yeah. And they, you know, MCU's done a lot with, uh, you know, with a lot of those B and C and now we're getting maybe some D level characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're yeah, getting like, shows like Echo, like, Echo's a more modern, I think. Daredevil. She's a Daredevil character. Daredevil yeah. character, but is she a little more modern or she's yeah. been around for a while? Well, it's like a lot of the, I would say a lot of the street level characters are, even though they're my favorites, they were never like anybody's real favorites. No, right. but but yeah, they're starting to like yeah with Moon Knight and Daredevil and Punisher. I would throw in that category. Mm-hmm. 
Well, like I guess Luke Cage and Iron Fist didn't really do that well. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's 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 Iron putting Fist it lightly. Was terrible. Iron Fist was a piece. Luke of crap. Cage season one was great, but I didn't like the mid season villain switch. No, me neither. I thought I hate when they do that. It was so unnecessary. It's, and it's obviously, bad. it doesn't matter anymore because was it Mahershala Ali is going to be blades? Yeah, and yeah, it's it's it a never weirdest, happened. Yeah, never happened. Yeah, it was, it was, that was weird. So <laughs> great number four, Matt. Thank you, thank you. That's what do you got, a really buddy? good one. So my number four, um, I'm going back to Batman for this one. Uh, so we are going to go for um, Batman number four forty two. Um, this is a George Perez and Anthony Tallinn. Uh, comic book cover. So this is um, part five, if you're familiar at all, Tice, with, of um, A Lonely Place of Dying, which not... is the introduction to Tim Drake's Robin. So oh, okay. this is the first issue where we see Tim Drake as Robin. Um, thank you very much. No. So um, it's a great two-faced storyline, first of all. Batman is just out and about for days. Um figuring out uh, all these things with Two-Face and these clues Two-Face is leaving and um, all these hostages he's leaving behind. And Two-Face is really in a place where he does want to kill Batman at this point. Meanwhile, Tim Drake shows up to the mansion saying, hey, I, I've got to talk to Bruce I've, Wayne. I've and figured I figured out to... who Batman is. Yeah, and he's like, I straight up figured out who Batman is. And... Tim uh, and uh, Dick Grayson's basically like, yeah, Alfred, he knows. I can't like do yeah. anything about it but it's th- his introduction is cool because the way he figured out who batman was is because they showed a news clip once of batman and robin fighting um i believe the penguin it was it was one of those major villains like that but to save batman at one point dick does a double front flip into a kick with him and uh tim goes I saw the Flying Graysons as kids, and they were the only ones who could do that trick. And I knew it was you. Then I realized that you were Bruce Wayne's ward, so he had to be Batman from this point. And forces himself into a position, basically, where he can take over the Robin Mantle. Yeah. I love that version of, like, especially because now Tim's in a weird place. where Like, he, like Red Robin. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they're doing— Great restaurant. Yeah. Yum. Um <laughs> <laughs> but they're doing uh they're doing they brought back young justice um for this uh dark crisis storyline that they're doing right now so they're doing stuff with him there and you know they just had him come out too which is like a big thing for yeah. uh, for that oh, yeah. universe but they also it, it always feels like they've run out of stuff to do with him sometimes but the beginning of his run is so cool like him figuring yeah, out yeah. how to be Robin and how to – it's so different from all the other ones because he actively um, went to seek out being Robin rather than the other two who just kind of fell into place in that J- position. Jason Todd was just like goblin on the streets. <laughs> Straight up. He was just this goblin on the streets that Batman was like, all right, I'm going to turn you into something. <laughs> Jason takes him back to his place and Batman's like, you live here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, 
and Dick Grayson is the one where he's like, I'm just going to take him in. Yeah, like doesn't I really, right, yeah. doesn't really have the intention of making him Robin. And then they, you know, yeah. they become the crime fighting duel in the first place. But he's the one who had the mission to go out and be Robin before anything else, which always makes Tim unique. Yeah. And the oh, way yeah. they present him within this of him helping Batman in a place where he absolutely needs to be helped from Two-Face, where he's in a position where he's like, all right, kill or be killed at this point. Yeah. And needs the hand in it is uh, is a really good take, and they also do a really good job in another form of media, which is the Batman animated series, yeah. of bringing that same storyline in, um, while also combining Jason Todd and uh, Tim Drake's origin story yeah. for the purpose of that show. So, for those reasons, and because uh, Tim Drake's Robin deserves more love, Batman four forty two made my number four. All right, pretty cool. good. Cool, yeah, man. Top three, baby. Here we go. Tice, why don't you lead us off? Okay. My number three is another, it's a very recent, it's from May of this year. Uh, cool. It's uh, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, <sighs> number one. Oh, somebody showed this to me. I, I did. This is the. You did. I showed you that one. Yes, you did. Um, this cover was done by, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, Bill Sinkovich. Uh, he so was good. he was the artist for the original Moon Knight run with uh, Doug Mink, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I chose this because I think this very much captures what Moon Knight is. Yeah, uh, yes. you can see like he's it's him standing kind of like hunched over or kind of standing over this guy unconscious on the ground that he's just like beaten to a pulp, and his. His cape is draping down, and all on his cape you can see bloody handprints like this guy was, like he was beating him past the point of, okay, he's done. Yeah. Uh, And like you can see on his fists, they're covered in blood too. Um, It's like, when I've, like I've tried to, like when I've tried to get people on the Moon Knight who have said he's like, he's Marvel Batman, it's like, no, he's cut off a guy's face before. Yeah, um, uh, and then you have the stuff with him. Uh, one of my favorite comic book runs ever is the uh, Warren Ellis uh, Del. I can't remember the guy's name. Hold on, I got it written down here. <laughs> <laughs> we love a well prepared man. Hey, here. Absolutely. <laughs> what is it? Uh, Declan. Shelby, mm-hmm. uh, their run, the From the Dead run that introduces the Mister Knight persona. It's just such a great like. It, you don't have to know anything about Moon Knight. It's a very like well contained story of that explores Moon Knight, his psyche, his like. Like, is he just detached from reality, or is he really having this? Um, connection with this otherworldly being mm-hmm. um that's when i like moon knight the most is when it's it's kind of like up in the air as to whether and like it's up in the air as to whether or not he's actually like having this connection with Konshu or if it's like all in his head mm-hmm. um i i know the the disney plus show goes further into the no it's an actual god kind of thing um but like Moon Knight's just such an interesting character for me. It's you can do so much with him. Like this current run with him running his midnight mission. This is like so weird. It's so cool. Well, no, I just got like a random suggested for you post on Facebook about Moon Knight. Uh, yeah, of it's, course, because it's, 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 it's listening. listening. It's listening. I just put it in the group chat. But yeah, like 
<laughs> yeah, I picked this one just be- oh Moon Knight Core. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, That's so funny. The- Moon Knight Core started the Dracula where the fuck's my money meme, if you've ever seen that. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely seen that. But yeah, I think this cover just kinda encapsulates what Moon Knight is. Yeah. If nobody's and the Bill Sinikovich uh art is just great because his other covers from like the nineteen eighties run were also in my running. Like the there's one I think it's Moon Knight number I have it written down. Moon Knight number either Oh, it's twenty nine. With it's it's just a picture of a it's um it's the snout and eyes of uh werewolf by night and you see like a bloody like moon uh throwing st- I Oh yeah, I know it like it. Yeah. a yeah, yeah. I can't remember what he calls it either. But yeah, it's enough moon night, but yeah, it's, it's that's why I picked it. I love it. And can I just second that by saying, too, if you're someone who was really into the Disney Plus series of Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood is a great place to start yeah, for more Moon Knight content. Because they're just little one-off stories yeah, for It's him. an anthology of different uh, writers and artists telling their own contained stories. And that's always a good thing for like getting people into stuff is like, Here's a self-contained story. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know about all this baggage that comes yeah. with this character. If you want more of this character and all its baggage, you can do that later. But here's this thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Also, if you're looking into the main storyline, start at issue 13 and keep moving up because it's a brand new storyline from that point on. So people can, you know, read and follow along, too. That's a great... I, I When I was making my list, I ran by those issues and I paused yeah, for a minute to just be incredible. like... Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Matt, you're number three, my friend. All right. This one is an absolute gem. A personal fit. That is cool. Yeah, I just sent that Moon Knight 29. Really cool. Oh, oh man. I love that. So simple. <laughs> so effective. I'm going to go broke from the show. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my number three is from 2020 Marvel's Star Wars Darth Vader <gasps> run. Ooh, I was waiting for it's it. It's a split Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker uh, cover. It's absolutely beautifully done. Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader is my probably my favorite fictional character of all time. All right, I, I I've had many conversations on many different podcasts of what this character means to in, me in defense of Anakin. <laughs> it, oh, I, I've yeah. had yeah. several defenses yeah. of Anakin, mm-hmm. and more so Hayden Christensen's portrayal, yeah. but yeah. I've always felt relatability with the Anakin Skywalker character. I'm not going to go on a rant here, because I just did one two weeks ago on another <laughs> show, um, but I've always felt a relatability with the, psych- the, the, the psyche of Anakin Skywalker's last several years as a Jedi, going into a Sith, and I just, I love the split thing. I, I, I love the, the half, the half, you know, good Anakin, half... Obviously, bad Anakin, Darth Vader. I think it's a great cover. The storyline is a lot of fun, by mm-hmm. the way. This it happens post Empire Strikes Back, after Vader learns that he has a son. He finds out that he has a son, and obviously being Luke, and he actually he goes on this wild adventure with where he is goes. This doctor, what's her name? I can't remember. <sighs> I, no, I don't think this is her. Her name the the. There's, Partner in this is her name is Sabe. She okay. was one. Of, she was a leader of the Amidalans uh, of Naboo. Amidalans of Naboo, and she, Vader was trying to 
Uh, he went and actually visited, went to Naboo and visited Padme's tomb for the first time in this story, mm. trying to uncover what happened. And he eventually finds out that the Emperor had a big hand in Padme's death to kind of help him, uh, you know, beat push him, transition, push him, yeah. push him yeah. make the pain, uh, the emotional pain worse, so he'd be a, a even power, more powerful Sith. He had a big part of that. Um, and you learn about all this in this storyline. It's really cool to see the Darth Vader character in a, in a prequel trilogy scenario. Yeah. Um, and Darth Vader too. I know he's always been obsessed with Padme, but um, but but just be you just see that connection there because we don't see that a lot with Vader. We hear it in thoughts, um, but we don't see him actively pursue or, or associate with. Padme. There's a lot of great fan art of of Vader like visiting Padme's tomb. Yes, a lot of great fan art, but it's never really been explored in any storyline context. And this was, um, this was good. I I read this one online. I wish I had the actual cover. It's just, it's it, the symmetry is is almost perfect. I, I love the way it was drawn. Um, yeah, really really cool. Half red, half blue. It and now that like I've watched the Obi Wan show, it reminds me of the scene at the end when Obi Wan cuts his mask open. Uh, and at first he's like, you know, you know, I'm not your favorite Obi Wan. You can see the blue light on his face, mm-hmm. and then when he gets more aggressive, the red light, you know, it's oh, there's one of the best like Star Wars scenes ever. So cool. But um, but yeah, so there it is, uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number five from 2020. That is my number three. I was waiting for the Star Wars appearance. I'm surprised yeah, it was... didn't come sooner. Uh, I love it. I love it that much. And there's two really good ones ahead of it, and. Uh, it was really hard to, uh, to to figure out where to put that one. I bet. But at least it came up. And that's such a cool storyline to like. That makes you want to get into comic books as a Star Wars fan because you just want to explore the lore of it way ex- more. Exactly. And I, it's, like, it's hard because nowadays I think with a lot of you know mediums like Marvel or DC or Star Wars or a lot of other things, the movies aren't – there's so much in between. You have to – Read. You can tell. Whatever, have to watch yeah. the cartoons to really understand the full picture. Mm-hmm. You can get away with not doing it, but you know, like there's so you know, there's people I know that have watched every single Star Wars movie, but because I've dabbled in comics, yeah, things in the movies make a lot more sense, and it, it's it's so expansive. Like, like we do a Star Wars show, you wouldn't know why. Like you know, like General Grievous is coughing and sit. Uh, Re- Re- Revenge of the Sith, and it's like, why is he doing this all the time? Right, if you. You watch the Gendy Tarkovsky Clone Wars. It's, it shows like he gets his lung crushed by his chest cavity crushed by Mace Windu. Yeah, yeah. and it's like I remember watching that before seeing Revenge of the Sith. I'm like, oh, you like, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It makes, it sense. makes sense. And they don't explain it at all. In the- no, and yeah. that's a detriment. I think that's one cool thing about Star Wars that it's been able to be fluid like that, where yeah. you see something that you're like, uh, why is this happening? And it can be explained, and they, they, they you know, people develop it, but. Um, you know, but everyone, everyone's like assumption, like, oh, Padme died because she was sad at the end of Revenge of the Sith. But the backstory is that the Emperor used her life force to help save Anakin. Yep. Uh, you know, this is why they couldn't explain it. But obviously, they didn't illustrate that in the movie. Yeah, you know, that makes sense because his like the whole um, uh, Palpatine's whole thing is, um, you know manipulating life and like he tells tells the whole like Darth Plagueis the wise tale of yeah. cheating death and stuff and it's like it's that 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 explanation makes more sense than she died of a broken heart yeah, yeah. absolutely a lot more so <laughs> there it is number three. Oh man that great one Thank great one you. Matt 
Um, my number three. So I'm going to um, another current series that's out right now. So uh, one of the best things in the Batman world the past few years has been Batman the White Knight. Um, Mm -hmm. Sean Murphy's take on this Batman has been absolutely incredible. Little context for people who aren't familiar with the storyline. Batman basically injects something into the Joker at the beginning of the story, and Joker becomes sane based on what Batman gave him and rises up and begins to... Uh, paint Batman as the villain in Gotham and starts to get people to believe it. So now he gets the city of Gotham to sue Batman, and Batman basically starts like a downfall of becoming like a hero to the villain with Joker being more revered as like the villain and and as the hero, at least in exposing Batman and all that. So... um, one recent issue, because they've been doing Batman Beyond the White Knight, which is the continuation into the Batman Beyond world. Um, but this first issue of two series or two issues that are coming out in the series of Batman White Knight presents uh, Red Hood. It has been one of my favorite covers in this series so far. And if you look at it, first thing you notice is that it's extremely if you're an anime fan. It's like an extremely anime-looking cover. That's the yeah, vibe I a, get from it. And It's a very Akira-looking bike. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Batman Beyond, from its roots, is very much supposed to be based in that style, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, like the cyberpunk. Yeah, like yeah. The, the cyberpunk kind of era. But just the, the illustrations on it is... It, almost indescribable because it feels like a movie poster when you're looking at it. Um, You have Red Hood with his pistol on the front in a really, really nice light, overarching everything else um, with who's supposed to be kind of like the new Robin on the back of um, a bike of Jason without the helmet. You have Joker on the one side with um, a straight razor, which is how in White Knight he convinces Jason Todd to reveal Bruce Wayne's uh, secret or Batman's secret identity as Bruce Wayne. And seeing those shades in his past too, um, especially this is another cover where they utilize the black and grays really well. And then when they use the colors, they pop and they make the cover look as great as it is. Really enticing to read this story. The White Knight story is awesome, and this issue was no different from it. But just the vibe I got from this one while looking at it painted a whole world for me just looking at it. And those are what you look for in that, right? The things that are going to make your imagination run the most wild. Yeah. And that's why this comes in as my number three. Very good. Yeah, man. That's a cool cover. Yeah, a lot going on, but I like the the red and, you know, it, it there's heavy emphasis on the red. Yeah. With it. It reminded me uh the Endgame trailer. For some reason, they had a lot of emphasis on the color red. Yes. Um, I know there's no correlation between the two, but it was a lot of stuff. The, the background was dreary, black and white, gray, and then red was emphasized. Yeah, I love it. All right, we're up to our top two, gentlemen. So, Tice, your number two. My number two is Uncanny X Men number one forty one. Uh, this is the start of the Days of Future Past uh, arc story. Mm. Uh, oh, is this, this is the. This is the. Yep, I know, almost had this one on here. Wolverine in front of the poster with Kitty Pride. Yes. Um, if you look at the issue right before, it 
like it doesn't tell you anything like this is going to happen it's very like uh they're fighting the windigo or something like that <laughs> mm-hmm. um but this like uh so this is john byrne doing the art for this this is like him and chris 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 claremont's uh like famous revitalization of the x-men um it's a very like if we're going on like comic book covers grabbing your attention i think this is like one of the most attention grabbing ones because of how many it's also like great at telling a story without even opening up the book and making you curious about what's going on yes because you have okay you have this big poster in the back with all these different mutants like either it's like slain or apprehended over their their like uh pro their face you know their faces and then in the back you have things like attention you're leaving a controlled zone um, and you see a spotlight on Wolverine and Kitty Pride, and you can see Wolverine has like white streaks in his hair. So it's like this is what's going on. Why does he look older? Why is there so much trouble around mutants right now? And it's like it's it's just a very like it it tells you it tells you a story before you even open the book. Yeah, it grabs your attention. It it makes you curious. Um, I think it's it's one of the I don't know if you'd say it's one of the best X Men stories, but I like I, top five for sure. Yeah. I think I enjoyed it. it. It's actually my favorite X Men movie. I know the the the, the uh, mine too. I know it wasn't perfect as far as you know telling the story and whatnot, but I thought it was really well done for what it was. Yeah, the the director's cut made it worse. I thought it was so long. The, the the director's cut added so much that didn't need to be added about like Rogue being there and like and then uh, Beast and Mystique almost sleeping. I was like, ah, okay, that this is getting a little a little weird. I I watched the one day with Julie, not realizing it was the director's cut, and we were like, when the hell did all this show up in this? Um, but yeah, that that's definitely one of the most iconic. X-Men storylines at least, right? Yeah, that it, say so. it, It's been, you know, with the media it's been displayed in, that cover specifically is one of the most famous X-Men covers <sighs> Actually, out there, too. I would say, so for the for the number one X-Men story, I would probably say it's um, God Loves, Man Kills. Oh, uh, yeah, probably. that's a good one too. I, like, That's the one with uh, Stryker, mm-hmm. uh, Reverend William Stryker, not Colonel William Stryker. Um, it, it's, that's a, it's a great it's another Chris Claremont story and like they were just on fire with this. Like this was bringing us a book. Not very many people cared about yeah. back from the dead. Um, like it got revitalized with um, giant size X-Men with a, uh, like Len Wein and having like the, the in, I would call the international team with like Wolverine, yes. storm Colossus night crawler um, uh, tangent. They knew Okay, so they like it's pretty explicit that Wolverine's Canadian. Why is in Pride of the X Men? Why does he have an Australian accent? <laughs> <laughs> I know that never made yeah, it. Yeah. So weird. I don't know. I don't know why that did that. <laughs> um, great choice for your number two. Yeah, really you. good, Matt. Your number two. All right, my friends. My number two. So this is a compilation of multiple comic cover covers. Okay, um, this was the beginning of the Jim Lee X Men. Oh yeah, and they release. <laughs> okay, so you know, I'm sending the picture. It has this is like the collage. Oh my god, yes, it was four different variant covers. This is like the original variant cover. Yeah, and if you put them together, they were like one oh, poster. Yes. All right, 
It's so cool looking. My favorite one is the Cyclops Wolverine one. Um, well, Cyclops Wolverine, I don't want to forget about Iceman in the back, but there's that iconic Magneto image, and then we got you know, Gambit, Psylocke, Rogue, Colossus on another one, Beast, Archangel, Storm, and, and Jean Grey on another one. Like This is the X-Men that I know and love forever. My yeah. favorite Cyclops design is is this one right here. I like the one where he has the X on his mask, I'm not going to lie. Oh, the red one? The, <laughs> yeah, the, the red and black. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's kind of when he went evil, right? Well, not, little, not, yeah. not, not evil, that, but he was... But, but, like, yeah. Yeah, right. That's more right. more radical, I would more say. More radical. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he had, like, the Phoenix Force and, and with with that. I that think one. that was a yeah. little after, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this, like, this, you know, this... This comic isn't is beautiful and uh, very hard to find. I found a really torn up of the storm one at that book outlet in the Boulevard Mall. Oh yeah, it was really messed up, and I almost bought it, but I was like, yeah, I can't even see, like I can't even recognize the cover. But um, but yeah, I mean, this is the basis for that X Men animated series that we all grew up with. This art style, mm-hmm. everything that we see about it, it's 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 really powerful stuff, Andy. Um, you know, just. Uh, a, re- a really nice boost in popularity for the X Men. They they yeah. were good through the eighties. You know, you had the blue. I think he had. Um, there was Uncanny X Men came in the eighties, blue and gold. Yeah. Um, you kind of had two different X Men teams a little bit in mm-hmm. the eighties, yeah. and then this is just Jim Lee just l- took a look at everything that they had, and you know, brought in some new mutants, uh, and, and revamped a lot of other ones, and just made X Men so cool and top of the line, and and why yeah. Fox couldn't wait to get their hands on it. So. I know, honestly. Well, I'm just going to roll into my number two because we're already on this topic anyway. We all had X-Men as our number two, which I think is awesome. Um, So I'm going to go a couple issues before you, Tice. So I went with Uncanny X-Men number 136, which, of course, is the iconic image of Cyclops holding Holding Jean Grey's body at Uh, at the conclusion of the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, Another John Byrne, uh, Terry Austin, and uh, Jim Novak all did this cover those x-men covers were just the prime years for yeah, those that's like the the trial of magneto covers yeah, that one. The, yeah. those ones are just they're they're excellent mm-hmm. and, and you look at the the run we just talked about and how many popular issues are within those and that speaks for itself yeah but this one's always stands out for me because you see scott's pain Every time you look at that cover, you can just – they encapsulate everybody's expression, everybody's demeanor, the way Gene is just slumped uh, in his arms. It's just so it, – it's so perfect for encapsulating the heartbreak that is that series and how it ends with everything with Gene. Um and with everything between uh, Scott and Gene, too, it just, as a fan of the X-Men, you're like, damn, I did not want to see him in that much pain. Yeah. That was the one thing that the movies never did right for me. No. <laughs> they couldn't no, get they, Scott and Gene right. No, ever. they had the underlying, the, the underlying Wolverine, like Logan, Gene Grey thing was way, featured way more prominently than, than Cyclops, Gene Grey. Yes. I was, I, God, I left the movie theater <laughs> When uh, I, I, when Gene killed Scott in X Men Three, I'm like, Fuck, forget this movie, I'm done. I got enough with this. his Oakleys. With his Oakleys, they're floating. I'm like, are you serious? Like, I thought he was. Gonna, I was hoping he's going to get a much bigger role uh, in in X Men Three, and they didn't do anything with him. Like, how do you do this? Like, I'm so I legit. I, I appreciate the character Wolverine, but I 
don't at the same time. Like I feel like he's been so force fed through because of those yeah. Fox movies. Because Hugh Jackman, I mean, it's not Hugh Jackman's fault for being that desirable, but. You know, it was. He also gets like the most time away from the X Men. Like it's easy to separate him and have him do his own thing. Yeah, I think that might help him. Like with his pop, like the Frank Miller Wolverine series. I'm surprised nobody. I, that might have been that. Probably was one of like in the pool for one of the covers with him. Like his claws are out and he's like you know beckoning with his fingers. Yes. Yeah. Um. But like yeah, Wolverine. I I don't. I don't want a tall Wolverine. No, <laughs> I, I want a five foot two, like hairy Canadian guy. It's just like he needs to be as like kind of unappealing as possible. Like he needs. There's a reason why I think they called him a Wolverine by accident at first, but now yeah. it fits because a Wolverine is this small, tenacious, furry Canadian thing with sharp claws. It's like that fits him perfectly. It's yeah, like it, it's very. Ten- this is a very tenacious animal that. <laughs> isn't really afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have to correct you on something, Matt. Um, Jean didn't kill Cyclops. She just sent him to the DC universe to be in that terrible <laughs> Superman movie, which I think is a much worse fate, honestly, <laughs> because that movie fucking sucked. <laughs> Holy shit. I went to the drive-in to see that. That was a piece of shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why did James Marsden? That's that's a big thing. Why did James Marsden leave Cyclops to be like, oh, I'm gonna be in Superman because I think this is a better yeah. series. It was tough. I think it's lose lose. I don't know. It's yeah. it's like uh, oh god, who's the dude? Who at, at least Cyclops would have been on that movie for more than thirty minutes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, who was I can't think of his name now. The the dude who played Venom in Spider Man Three. It's uh, uh, Topher uh, Grace. Topher Grace, Topher yeah, Grace yeah, when he left that seventy show, show to, to 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 be Venom and star in other <laughs> movies. Like mm. yeah, yeah. <sighs> good yeah. Good times. Bad, uh, yeah, <laughs> bad people could change certain decisions if they could uh, go uh, in the past. Yeah. Could. <laughs> uh, the problem with the Spider Man Three is it's like they shoehorn Venom in. Like originally, oh, yeah, it was yeah. just it was just going to be Sandman, and like Sam Raimi was like. For some reason, he's like, I love this character. I want to tell this story. See, I heard the whole heard that the studio. Yeah, I heard it was studio pressures yeah. that made him do that. I, yeah, it's like they put because Venom was a, he's a good toy seller, and they wanted yep. Venom in. But it's like there's a good there's some that movie isn't all terrible. I think some of the stuff with Sandman is actually pretty, Sandman pretty good. good. Yeah, it's it get, it turns into a mess by the like the last hour. Yeah. It's it, also longer than it needs to be. When, yeah, I when think we Eddie's got, in church, uh, kill Spider-Man sir. for me. Edward, God, Rock please Jr. kill Spider-Man. God, I hated it. I, I just hate it. Thank God for Tom Hardy. <laughs> he wasn't. He may not be the perfect choice, but way better than Topher was. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, Topher is too much. He's like a weenie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's the perfect, it's the perfect word. Oh, man. Man, I really don't want this list to end, but we're up to our number one already. Uh, this we is are. this is I'm in my nerd like paradise right now. I just want you guys to know that. Um, Tice, why don't you go with your number one, sir? Yeah, my my number one. It's a uh, it's probably not like uh, it's probably not a number one on most people's list, but it's it's a number one for me just because it it means so much. Um, go it's, for it. It's a uh, Hellboy Seed of Destruction number one. It's it's the first. It's the first uh, issue of the first miniseries, and like it, it's not his first like oh, full cool. appearance. This is like it's just a very is... simple image. It's 
for me, it's the peak of the Mike Mignola style of the heavy shadows and heavy lines. Um, I can't remember who did the coloring on this, but the coloring is also, it's, it's incredible. Um, it, it's like I, for me, there's a list of comic book artists that I get excited whenever I see their, they're doing cover art because it's like, Oh, they might be doing art for this full issue. And Mike Mignola is one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I could probably talk for hours about Hellboy. Um, it's, it's my favorite comic book of all time. It's one of my favorite things of all time. Like it's one of those things where it's like, is this really one of my favorite things? And then I go and pick up the books. I'm like, Oh yeah, it it totally is. Yeah. It's super easy to get into It, it. Like it's all contained. You don't have to deal with like, decades and decades of uh continuity to get into it it's super like it's he does a lot of like he retells a lot of folk tales and stuff and that's something i love um it's a just a mishmash of everything that i love it's like it's a very like pulpy um fantasy horror sci-fi mix-up and it's like i always love the genre mashups of like it's kind of like the Lovecraft, but without the racism. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it, but like, it, it's it's also like it does like the cover doesn't tell you about a lot about the character of Hellboy. It's mm-hmm. just kind of like this very striking image. It, it's super cool, but like, it. Like I'm trying to think of what. I've lost my train of thought. No, yeah, that's I, Hellboy is one of the, I love the, that character like it's um this character um like it so like what i was saying a lot earlier with the marvel method mignola is very good about um showing and not telling a lot of times Mm -hmm. uh there are times where he does like info dumps on like but he presents it very well as in this is a brief for the BPRD mm-hmm. that you're getting and to like catch you up to speed. But he does a lot of good showing and not telling with his stuff. Um, like with the character of Hellboy, he always, I, I guess it's showing, but it's also telling, but he like, he always takes the time to talk to people before fighting them. Mm-hmm. Like if there's like a threat or something or like he'll try and negotiate with people, but the only time he doesn't is like Nazis. And that's the, like, <laughs> if there's a Nazi, he just automatically punches it. Like there's a, <laughs> there's a scene in, um, wake the devil, the second, uh, mini series where it's like, he, he wakes up and he's like, nah, Nazi. And he just punched like, cause it's, um, <laughs> I can't remember what it might be. Wake the devil, maybe conqueror worm. I can't remember, but it's yeah. I I love this character. I love this comic book. Uh, I love this artist. <laughs> That's why it's my number one. Yeah, excellent choice. I love that, and you know, I think because we have our certain niches on like what superheroes we like and stuff. I think it'd be natural for Hellboy being your favorite to have that be yeah, your number and one. like I. Matt said you were going to bring covers in the show. I'm like, I don't really have any, but I do have this. It's the Hellboy 25 Years of Covers. Oh, awesome. Um, there's just so many great covers in here that I had a hard time choosing, but I think the first one is the most, like, it's the most iconic for me. Mm-hmm. It was this or maybe the Wolves of St. August one. That's also really cool. Um, sorry. Oh, you're good. You're beautiful. Oh wow! Yeah, it's, it's. I love that. 
he's just, like he's just an incredible artist and That's he really he cool. makes really good use of negative space and it's it's yeah i could talk for a long time about this yeah oh that's so cool that's a great number one man very Thank good you. buddy very good all right matt what's your number one i'm curious my number one is uh we just got a kind of a hit movie series off of it a couple years ago uh it is the infinity gauntlet cover Ooh. Hell yeah! All right, it's uh, Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin, yeah. This thing, I actually had a like a grade eight point five, and they're not very expensive. No, they're not. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it came out in the nineties, right? Early nineties. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I mean, that I thought with the more. movie the value would go up, but it didn't at all. Um, unless unless I, I, it, yeah, it was, but unless it was eighty dollars post that, but um, I, I don't know. Uh, who knows? It's so well done. We get this incredible artwork of Thanos. You know, with the the starry eyes, the very dark, dark background. You got Lady Death. You got Mephisto, the gauntlet, and all the colors flashing, and just ton like a bunch of different superheroes: Spider-Man, Doctor Strange. Uh, we got Drax. We got a lot of these celestial characters: Hulk, Captain America. And you just know you're in for a wild ride with it. And the storyline is so good. Um, this is another, like, very favorite story collection mm-hmm. of all these heroes. But it's so weird, too, because, like, at the end of it, they you know, they do it. They have this big battle. All the heroes get wiped out. And then at the end, it still gets undone any, done anyways because Nebula becomes the big bad. Thanos helps them defeat Nebula. And then they have they start the Infinity Watch, and all the heroes forget about it. It's it's. it's it's a weird, easily retconned story, yeah. I think in a way, but it's really, really cool. Uh, I was, in, I mean, infatuated with that gauntlet. I had a bank uh, that looked like the comic one, yeah. Uh, but it's the first chance I got to get the actual movie one, uh, I, I took it because it was just that cool, and I knew that that's what Marvel was building up towards. Yeah. So um, the Infinity Gauntlet is my number one choice. There's a lot to it. A lot of different characters, a lot of colors, and I think it's just, uh, I think it's just very well done. Yeah. I think that's a really great choice for yeah. that. And it must have been cool because I only got a little bit more into Marvel after the first Avengers. Like, I really started diving into a lot. It must have been cool from day one for you to know, like, oh, this is where we're heading with this at I some point. I didn't know, actually. I didn't know. It took me a while. I thought, I don't know why, I thought Civil War. I thought Civil War was going to be, like, the big culmination thing. Like, they're going to do this mm. massive Civil War. And then it turned into... Because Thanos, Thanos said like he was there and then he 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 wasn't you know very part time and I'm glad that they yeah. did it retrospectively the way that they did, but um, but it was yeah it was when I got to see that come together I actually prefer Infinity War to Endgame. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I think it's yeah. a lot more action heavy. There's a lot more urgency. Endgame was great fan service with an with an awesome final battle. But you can skip through a lot of the in between stuff, absolutely, and, and be okay with it. Where Infinity War, there was just constantly, constantly, okay, we got to protect this stone, we got to fight these characters. Way more stakes it within was that. Way one. more stakes than that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for when I first saw Infinity War, I had this the this weird like kind of dark thought in my head. It's like it'd be not, it'd be kind of funny and kind of cool if they just didn't make Endgame and they just left it off at this. Oh my god. Like they, everything just everything's lost, nothing comes back. Well, this is a thought that I hit too. What if and how insane would this drive people? Right? Endgame came out the year before the pandemic hit. How fucking mad you had to wait for it. If yes, if Infinity War if they waited a year Right, if they waited a year and we had to wait till 2021 to see, <laughs> it, it, like two years. Well, it would have been three years because Infinity yeah. War came out in 18. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if they – well, it depends on how the timeline of release, but they release it so perfectly. Now, theory, Disney's behind – uh, you never know. <laughs> you never know. But, South, no, South Park expanded uh, yes. on that for sure. But, but you know, in, in all seriousness, though, like how insane would it have been if you had to wait for Endgame? Like if you like, because it happened in March. Thinking about it. Isn't it like infuriating? Because the movies came out in what April or May? I think the Infinity War and Endgame came out April or May. I think because end that, of that April. Was like the, that was like yeah, end of April. Year. So like April. a month. So technically speaking, if it would have happened the following year. A month, a month and a half, you're waiting. You got the trailers Fuck. for Endgame, and then everything shut down. Oh, my God. And there's no Disney Plus yet. Oh, when, okay. So if, when Disney Plus came out, they would have, like... Um, they w- I don't know if they would have released... They, they would have lost too much money. Stop hurting me like No, they, they would have they done the thing they did with, like, their other releases. Like, you need to pay $30 oh, 30. for it. Fucking... Or yeah. like they still would have lost their ass. If people what if that. they just price gouged it? It's like no, you have to pay fifty bucks. Ah. <laughs> oh we were we were that close. If you think about it, we were that close yeah. to not getting that game. Well, now like they made a whole Batgirl movie, and you're never going to see it. Yeah, because I don't even they they get into that. They they made a tax write off of it, and that means they can't if they can't produce anything of it. You any if it if it can generate profit, it can't be put out, and it's like. I, I hate the whole HBO Max situation. It's dumb. I can't. I can't get into it. Yeah. I, I won't get into the fact that DC won't take a chance on one movie when Marvel no. literally re-released Morbius twice because of a joke. Because of a joke. Well, that was more Sony, but yeah. But yeah, still, 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 still <laughs> terrible, terrible. No chances. Uh, okay. So my number one. Before I get too infuriated with thinking of this what if scenario, Matt just brought into my head with Endgame. <laughs> Um. <laughs> so my final one is also a Batman cover. I feel like we all went within our niches. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one I dreamed of owning ever since I was a kid, and I don't care about, you know, necessarily the condition or value of it. Um, mm-hmm. I do think I have a pretty decent copy of it. Um, but it's Batman number 497. Uh, this is another Kelly Jones and Bob LaRose um, Batman cover. Um, but it's one of the most iconic ones out there. So there are three major events you kind of think Is of this, with oh, the Batman this one. world. This one. So you have um, Jason Todd's death. You have um, The Killing Joke is probably another major one. And you have Bane breaking Batman's back. Mm-hmm. This is the latter of Bane uh, with Batman yeah. looking enormous, <laughs> stretching Batman over his knee, getting ready to just snap him in half, which that indeed does happen in this yeah. issue. Yeah. Um, again, we're, I touched on the Nightfall uh, storyline and how important it is to the Batman series. This was a big tor- a turning point for the Batman story as a whole because you're getting a whole new perspective. You're getting a villain who's finally beat him yeah. in, a big, like, in a big way. I say it on my podcast all the time, but Bane had the best plan ever. You break all the other villains out of Arkham. You make him sick. Yeah, you make him you sick. You make him sick. You make him sick. You break all the villains out of Arkham and you let them wear him down and then when he finally gets to you he's half the person he is you're already going to be double the person batman was to begin with and it's strength wise at least and now you've got him exactly where you want him not to mention in the next issue he literally like brings his body to a top of a gotham building and just chucks it off 
like it just bounces it down like look what i did to your hero yeah. look what i did to him now and it's one of if heath ledger had not died they could have fleshed out the nightfall storyline way better yeah in that last batman movie yeah. which is what they were gearing up towards and what they did to an extent but they did the best they could with having one of their major characters die within the process of yeah. making the movies correct um, but when they still included that in uh, Dark Knight Rises, I lost my shit. I was so happy that they did it. Um, it, it with the same way I was happy that they included those long Halloween shots of um, Gordon yeah. uh, Dent and, and Batman being on the top of the Gotham City roof. Yeah. Um, this was another iconic moment within Batman that I think is uh, just so telling of everything. In that you've seen in so much media relating to Batman either teased or fully carried out. Um, And when I finally got my hands on it, it was one where I was like, I'm never letting this go ever. (laughs) Um, And since I was a kid, too, that was like the big thing. Like Bane's the one who who like broke Batman. Yeah. And having that was like. That was probably his biggest storyline, right? Absolutely. I would say at least one of them. Um, No Man's Land, he's a big part of. In a lot of ways, because he's working for Lex Luthor and kind of his enforcer throughout. Because Joker's kind of running wild all over Lex's properties. And he's eventually like, call Bane. We need to, like, get this shit sorted out. And there's some great interactions between Bane and Joker (laughs) with that, too. Um, But, yeah, I love – I specifically love those issues, art style and story style. So Batman 497 is my number one. Yeah, um, I have that similar relationship with – the Hellboy Seed of Destruction, like I, I have that comic. It's like I, I didn't care what condition it was in. I just wanted, it. Like, yeah. Like people have like their Grail books of like, you know, something. It could be like something extravagant, like Action Comics number one. But you're never gonna get that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, that's something. Whenever I saw it, I pick like I'm like I'm getting this. And then I also got it's the first like first like real uh, quote appearance of hellboy it's in john burns next men 21 oh cool um that's another like it was it was like a another grail for me and then the one i don't have that i really want is the san diego comic-con comics number two which is the first like Hellboy has a lot of first appearances yeah yeah like this is the first like published appearance of hellboy that's cool and it's like I, they're like I don't care if I don't have whatever comic book it is. It's like I just want this one, and it's yeah. like I'm fine. Comic book collecting is this like vicious cycle. It's like I if if I get this one, I'm probably fine. I don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Wow, what a great list that we just went through with that those was ones. Really well. This was a fun one. It was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, fun. I don't think we've done too much comic book stuff on this show. No, so. and we'll have to do more in the future yeah, too. Tice, you'll have to come back for those oh, ones I, too. I we'll definitely. Thank, yeah, you. thank you for coming on. Yeah, buddy. yeah thank you for Appreciate having it. me. This it's was always, a lot of fun. It's, it's always good fun. to see you. It's yes. always fun. Um, so that is it, everybody. I'm not sure what we're doing next week. Yeah, we'll ha- we'll have something really fun. We'll have we have a few we have a few cool guests lined up that will be coming in with some unique lists too. 
Um, I'm sure we're due for the what's going on duo to be coming in individually too. I know Tyler's I think we're ready been, for that. Yeah, yeah, no, I think Tyler's been talking me up a little bit on that one too. So he's yeah. dying. To well, come he's got to be pissed here. when he hears this one and he wasn't invited. So yeah, well, uh, he's <laughs> he's gonna love all the venom talk though. That's I'm, one thing. I know he tried to get love. that. He tried to get that uh, that that. Uh, PVC statue out there. I'm like, ah, it's a birthday gift. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, um, the, the, the superpower one, that was pretty good. Yeah, that, that was, was a like, fun one Oh, yeah, sure. we did do that one. Because mm-hmm. like, I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, if you had Magneto's powers, you you wouldn't need blood bending because there's iron in blood. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a fun perspective yeah. of that, too. And that's why it made it so high yeah. on my list, too, because you could basically do anything. Yeah. Uh, but we'll have a fun one for you guys next week. And as always, on behalf of Tice, Matt, and myself, do you even list? <laughs>